Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What's happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio is not Padawan J. Unfortunately, Pat is under the weather, celebrating too hard that the Kansas City Chiefs had won the Super Bowl, possibly. But fear not, he'll be back sooner than later, so we're definitely sending him our well wishes. But fear not... We have a co-host in that definitely can talk some football, can talk some wrestling. You know him. He's family of the show. He is the host of the 3FN podcast, host of 607 TWS, and a lot more on the Patreon, which is $1 gets you in the door, $3 gets you a comfy seat at the table. Anything else you need to go talk to Diesel. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back to the show, the one and only Rich. Hey, what's up, ODPH Society? It's good to be back. It's good to be talking sports. Uh, we, you know, it's, it's, it's always good to get the call as the reliever coming out of the ball pin. Yes, exactly. When we got to have the closer and we can't call the Maserati, you know we call Rich in. Well, you know, the Maserati would be nice since we know he's undefeated. Yes. Uh, if the Maserati was closing out the Super Bowl, eh, maybe the Eagles win. Who knows? But you but you're undefeated when you come on the show too. So that, I mean, that is true. I've, so. I've 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 had a good stretch and a good run coming on the show. Now, in case anybody is tuning in for the first time, which we do say thank you very much. Please make sure to drop a five star review for us. We do appreciate it. it. Helps boost the algorithm. Why don't you tell us everybody a little bit about Three FN? What's going on now? Uh, we got a lot of things going on. Of course, we're your weekly movie review podcast. We mostly cover new movies occasionally. If there's not a new movie we want to watch, we'll dip back into the uh, Wayback Machine and review an older movie. Uh, well, you know, it tends to go one of three ways, <laughs> you know, because there's three of us on the show. Usually uh, we don't always agree, and that's always a good thing. So I think we cover a wide spectrum as far as our opinions on movies coming out. So we do a spoiler-free uh, section before we dump into the spoilers uh, on every single episode of the show. And on top of that, uh, we have a lot going on, as you pointed out, on Patreon, 3FNpodcast.com to get all of that information. Uh, our links are all there for social media. And, of course, our links to the Patreon, patreon.com slash 3FNpodcast for as little one dollar a month to get a ton of extra bonus content there we have uh now we're up to i think three shows three exclusive shows a month because we're we moved yes. over three fn rewind mm-hmm. which is us uh this year we're doing all movies from 1983 uh i just turned 40 this year i was born in 1983 uh so we are doing a movie from whatever month we're in so uh, if it came out in february of 83 uh we just did king of comedy yes uh, the king of comedy by uh, the martin scorsese film we did that already that was up on the regular feed we have now moved that completely over so starting uh, in March, we are going to have 3FN Rewind. The 3FN Horror Show will have an episode coming out this month uh, as well on the feed, but that's all horror movies. We pick some from the past. We kind of go in there. That'll be once a month also there. And then we call it, we have We Love Movies. When you join, you get to pick movies. We add it to the raffler, and uh, we raffle them through. And then we pick a movie that was suggested by one of our patrons, and we cover that once a month. We do that on a, a little podcast called We Love Movies. So we got a lot of movie review stuff going on. A lot of it's over on Patreon because we feel like if you're going to pay us a dollar, which I think is a really good uh, uh, you know value, if you will, or whatever you would like. 
like to pay us, we feel like that's the way to do it. And on top of that, we have the flagship show you can listen to for free. And we also have a special bonus episode uh, that actually I might put out. It's going to be about on Patreon first. We might put it out wide. And it's actually, uh, we are going to see uh, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Uh, coming up in the f- theater this week. So by the end of this week, we're going to do a special one. That's not going to be the normal thing. Right, so right, right. First, Patreon's going to get it. And then I'm deciding why. if a few days later I don't just drop it on the main feed. It's going to depend on how the movie goes. Well, you know, that's the whole thing. You're offering the value for, the de- for what you're given. And like I say, it's a steal. It's a steal for all the content you get. So if you're looking for content... Look no further than the 3FN patron. Absolutely. And, of course, that's the home also 607TWS, which you hear Ken M on. So all you pro wrestling fans listening to the ODPH, much like I do, on top of being a contributor here, if you want to hear more pro wrestling where we don't just talk about world wrestling entertainment, uh, we get we talk about everything there. Mm-hmm. We talk about the indies. We talk a little AEW. Uh, just got to throw their name out there. Yeah. We talk New Japan Pro Wrestling. We got we got that coming up big this week as well. And we talk anything going on. And we don't usually, we, we like to pride ourselves I'm calling it right down the middle. You know Ken M. If you're listening to this show, hopefully you've checked out 607TWS as well. Mm-hmm. But that is the place, the wrestling show, is the place where you get to hear us deep dive on professional wrestling once a week. And it's always a good time. And I have a great time with Ken. We give our opinions on things. You know, I worked in the professional wrestling business for a while. So I give my professional opinion on things as well as, you know, my opinion as being a fan of 30 plus years. Yep. Because uh, my first memories of pro wrestling, I've been a pro wrestling fan my whole life. I could say 40 years. But I think that we'll say 35 years just because I think five is probably my first memories of wrestling. Although I know that I was watching as a young tyke because my aunt used to watch. So that's what got me into it. And I've watched my whole life and we give our opinions. We give what we think should happen. We fantasy book a little bit. But on top of that, we also give our honest and God opinions on what's going on in the TV product. Sometimes you might agree with us, sometimes not. But hey, we're always there to have a conversation with everybody in a peaceful manner mm-hmm. because I think that's what's missing. There's a lot of tribalism and toxicity in pro wrestling that's driving a lot of fans away from watching and we try to bring more of the positive that doesn't mean we don't have to touch on some of the shit that we don't want to talk about but (laughs) it it has to happen sometimes it's a it's a necessary evil sometimes but you know we like to call it right down the middle we like to be fans and we like to really do the deep dive into all wrestling i know we mostly focus on wwe here on the odph because i know pat is a super wwe fan so it kind of plays into our you know forte so to speak but if you really want that deep dive in the pro wrestling, obviously swing on over to 607TWS. And how do you find out about 607TWS and 3FN? Simply swing on over to odphpodcast.com. You go right to the classified section, and boom, there's a link right there that will take you to everything that is 3FN and 607TWS. Or you go right to the directory where we have players set up right there so you can just listen to your favorite on your favorite device. It's that simple. Also, the social media links are there, Parley Points blog section, music section. If it's anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. And always remember on social media, use the hashtag ODPHpod. But you came to hear some sports talk. We have a lot to say about the biggest event in sports, the biggest event on television by far, and that is the Super Bowl. Well, let's see if I can make Padawan Jay uh, proud of my uh, stats here. So, uh, of course, the Super Bowl went down this past Sunday as we recorded the day before. And, of course, the Kansas City Chiefs would defeat the Philadelphia Eagles. 38-35 to was your final score. Let's give some stat lines here. Patrick Mahomes was 21 for 27 for 182 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, the leading rusher for Kansas City was Isaiah Pacheco, 15 carries, 76 yards with one touchdown. Leading receiver to no surprise of anybody, Travis Kelsey, six receptions, 81 yards, and a touchdown. Let's jump over to the Philadelphia side because even though they lost, they still deserve because talk about have yourself a game. Jalen Hurts Man. 
27 for 38, 304 yards. That's just his passing, ladies and gentlemen, with a touchdown. Let's go to the leading rusher. Also, Jalen Hurts. 15 carries, 70 yards with three touchdowns. That's right, a NFL record for quarterback scoring rushing touchdowns, three touchdowns, and tied the all-time rushing record for touchdowns. Also, I might be added. So Jalen Hurts, man, clear-cut MVP if you uh, want to oh, throw it out there. Without question, without question. And I got to give a shout-out. I'm going to give a shout-out to two receivers. Their leading receiver was Devontae Smith, seven uh, receptions for 100 yards and 45, uh, sorry, sorry, no touchdowns. However, A.J. Brown wasn't far behind. Six receptions for 96 yards with one touchdown. So uh, the stat line for the Eagles looks beautiful. And unfortunately, if we were going by how the offense played, the Eagles should have won this game, mm-hmm. but that's not what happened. Uh, I feel like this is a tale of two games, Ken. I feel like the first half of this game, the Eagles came out looking pretty good. Defense doing a good job of containing Patrick Mahomes and that high-powered Kansas City defense. They made some uh, they made some adjustments on the run in the first half of the game, but after halftime, the Eagles' defense just forgot how to play, and they could not stop Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs' offense. If you you know you could have given them fucking bought a vowel, and yeah. they weren't stopping shit. No, that was the one thing about this. This was a tale of two halves. And the first half, Philly came out swinging, and they were definitely setting a high pace. Even Kansas City was hanging with them, but the big tell sign for me was Patrick Mahomes did not clear 100 yards passing for a good majority of this game, but let alone the first half. He was struggling. And Philly's defense was putting some pressure on him. However, did not get a chance to sack him, though. That was the big thing. Well, they were still putting the pressure and rushing him. Uh, they obviously tweaked the ankle a little bit going uh, at the end of the first or first half, so the second quarter. Mm-hmm. And we were there was a big question mark about the second half. Uh, Patrick Mahomes obviously went back to the back, probably got some cortisone, probably got some uh, uh, you know other medications <laughs> and anything else they could do for him. Probably wrapped it a little tighter. He came back out. There was a noticeable limp, but it did not stop him from performing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he went out there and he had he had a hell of a, a second half. Now, mind you. 182 yards from Patrick Mahomes, your 2022 MVP. I don't know. Allegedly. <laughs> I, I, listen. I put the asterisks by it. I'm going to throw this out there in this game. And I think that, I, aside from the fact that Kansas City won, you know, I'm not a Kansas City fan. Mm-hmm. Good on them. We're going to dive into the weeds in a second here. I want to take the moment to say that, man, I thought Jalen Hurts should have been the NFL MVP this year. Absolutely. I think that he went out there in this game and proved why he should be. There was a fumble by Jalen Hurts, but after that fumble, the man comes out. He scores three rushing touchdowns. Mm -hmm. He throws for a a rushing touchdown. Think about it. 304 yards in the air, 70, so on the ground. 370, almost 400 yards of offense by... Uh, the one and only Jalen Hurts. On the other side, the flip side, of, like I said, it was 182 in the passing yards for Patrick Mahomes, and he ran for another 44. So just a little over 200. Uh, I do believe that would be 226. Give take. So yeah, if you're looking at the two quarterback performances, Jalen Hurts knew that he didn't win the MVP, and he went out and had showed why he should have been the MVP of a Super Bowl if they had won. Oh, absolutely. And he showed why he should be the MVP when you're talking about the two quarterbacks. I understand, and and I mean this, and I think Patrick Mahomes is a very talented quarterback. Mm-hmm. Nothing away from Patrick sure. Mahomes. I think that he is the NFL's favorite guy. I think it's because he says all the right things. If you look at him on the surface, with the exception of his wife and his brother, who really make people dislike him, he's the most likable person. He is like a PR person's wet dream. Yeah. Because he says all the right things, and he does all the right things. And I think that that is what drives him to be who he is. You can't convince me, I'm sorry, that he had a better season than Jalen Hurts. 
Nobody did. And the fact that Jalen Hurts came in second as MVP is a fucking it's, it's a travesty. I'm sorry that I'm swearing a little more than you used to probably here on the ODPH, but it's just upsetting that Jalen Hurts didn't get that. And it's upsetting that he didn't win the Super Bowl. But at the end of the day, I think he used the Super Bowl on the grandest stage to show that, hey, for as much as people talk about Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow, you need to start talking about Jalen Hurts because I think he's on that level with those gentlemen. Oh, absolutely. And I think that you have to go right to the voting here. I need to have Mahomes, like, and, and don't take anything away from him. Like, Mahomes is a great quarterback. But if you look at he, when he went out for an injury, Chad Henney came in, the ship kept moving. They didn't have a hiccup. Jalen Hurts comes out, Philly is not the same team. Oh, hell no. No, there's a distinct drop-off. It is what it is. And we saw this year when he was in playing for him a couple times that Philly had a drop-off. Jalen Hurts elevated his game that much. He should have been the outright MVP. There shouldn't have been any question about it. You, you, and you have to put his name in the elite quarterbacks. I think if anybody doesn't do that, you're not doing him a you're doing a complete disservice. He is in that talk with the Mahomes and the Rodgers and the Josh Allens, if you want to put him there. He is in that elite stature that he deserves to get the praise. But for what he did with his team, like you say, who's the most valuable player on their team, Mahomes is valuable, but they prove that that system works without him. Phillies doesn't. If any other quarterback is in there, other than Jalen Hurts, Philly is blown out of this game. Oh, absolutely. Not to mention they don't, they're don't. they not in this game. Right. So I, I, I just want to take that stand before we go into talking about, obviously, what everybody's tuned in for. Yeah. Talking about the game and how this game goes down. So I'm gonna, I want to make this perfectly clear. I've, I've landed on the fact that 85% of the reason that the Eagles lost – was themselves. Mm-hmm. It was bad coaching on the defensive side. Horrible. And bad execution by the defense. So I'm not sure. Uh, like some of the plays, I think that it was bad execution. And some of the plays, I think that they've had bad calls. But the defensive side is strictly to blame for the collapse of the Eagles. Mm-hmm. The offense did all that they could do. Let's, uh, you know, giving props where it's due, Kansas City did have one or uh, two stops, sorry. Uh, in the second half to the Eagles' high-powered defense yeah. or offense, if you will. But other than that, they didn't stop them. The The thing is, in the first half of the game, the Eagles' defense did stop, whether there were sacks or not, did stop Kansas City on two or three occasions where they punted. Mm-hmm. In the second half, that did not happen. The Eagles controlled the ball. They should have controlled the game. And unfortunately, the defense dropped the ball here. So I want to make it perfectly clear before we dive into this next part, and I think that you're agreeing with me. Oh, absolutely. That the Eagles are to blame for this loss. This is not a script. This was not you know a big work. I, I know that's going around. We are going to talk about it, though. There is a problem I do have with officiating. Mm-hmm. But I want to point out that the massive amount of all of this is on the Eagles. The Eagles' defense dropped the ball figuratively and literally at times. If you want to do this by 100%, the Eagles' defense is 75% to blame for this game. Absolutely 75%. See, I'm a little higher than you on that. But the problem is, and this was pointed out a few times, and going back and, and, and looking at some games, I'm like, you know what? They're right about this. Their defense gasses out quick in the second half, and they don't have that same momentum to really shut down teams and I think what showed here is they just completely fell apart. I don't want to say fell apart. I think that's too strong of words. But you can definitely tell that they did not have the same intensity coming out of that locker room in the second half. But this has been something that, that was pointed out on a lot of shows this uh, past 24 hours. They have given up so many points in the second half, but Hurts has kept them in those games. that It's kind of been you know the Band-Aid over the wound, so to speak. Philly's defense just was playing atrociously in that fourth quarter 
and leaving Mahomes to run crazy, which is wild to think about with his bad ankle. Because if you look, he had 44 yards rushing. What pretty much one of those runs was about a 20 yard run on a bad leg that was a complete collapse of a defensive scheme. Oh, absolutely. So you have to really just focus on them because no matter how bad they played, and they did play a bad game, Hurts kept them in. And the fact it gets down to a game-changing call, and you can say, well, he did hold him, he did not hold him, it doesn't matter. At this point in the game, late in the fourth quarter with about five minutes left, there was a holding call against Philadelphia that the receiver had no way to catch the ball. So it wasn't going to be like a, a dramatic holding. When the announcers on TV are saying that this is a bad call and you have to swallow the whistle, this moment right here completely sealed the game for Kansas City. Well, I'm going to speak on that, but I do want to say one thing just to be fair to the Eagles uh, to the Eagles defense or offense out there to not put a complete line of defense. The one thing I disagreed with the Eagles doing is they went away from the run in the second mm-hmm. half of the game. True, true. And you had Miles Sanders, who for whatever reason they weren't using that much in the first half of the game, so I figured you would see him more in the second half. The first half of the game he had uh, three carries for negative two yards. In the second half of the game, he got all his yards back because he got that back. He ended up the game with seven carries, 16 yards. So that means the 16 yards, well, technically 19 yards he got in the second half of the game, he was averaging right around four yards a carry. Mm -hmm. So if you would have just kept chugging away with that and what Jalen Hurts was doing, you would have kept the ball longer. They kind of abandoned that and went to the pass. It worked and it didn't work. So like I said, it's not too much on the offense, but I just want to be fair. True. Uh, Speaking of the call, though. So here's my, my take on this call. Was it a righteous call? With upon further investigation, including hearing the player himself, mm-hmm. uh, yes, it was a good call in the aspect that yes, he did gr- tug a jersey, but here's the problem: it wasn't an egregious tug. It wasn't a tug where he was yanking a player back. Mm-hmm. It was your, his hand was on his side. He kind of grasped a little bit. We've all seen it. It wasn't affecting. At the end of the day, the ball is uncatchable. Right. So to the letter, yes, you can call the play. Should you call it? Absolutely not. And not with a minute. 30 left in the game on a third down and long situation. This is the game on the line. This is going into an exciting game. And at the end of the day, and I said, I thought, and I'm going to be honest, I thought that for the most part in this game, there was a couple other things I do want to bring up for the officiating. But for the most part in this game, until that call, I'm like, okay, the officiating was okay and fine. Mm. And I really thought that what happened was Roger Goodell in the NFL said, hey, there's a lot of controversy coming out of the championship games. Let's swallow the whistles a little bit. This is the Super Bowl. Do not call things unless they were egregious. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go back. There was another couple other officiating things after, but th- we need to talk about this because it's the main one. I think, watching it, that the ref should have swallowed the whistle. It was an uncatchable pass. I agree. And it was a minor fucking hold. You All game long, we saw these, and they let, the, let it go, let it go, let it go. And that's fine. I'm not saying that the Chiefs should have gotten those calls earlier or the, the Eagles should have gotten those calls. I'm fine with the fact that they didn't call that stuff. Keep the officials out. Hell, on the big punt return uh, coming back in the fourth quarter, there was a, a bunch of blocks in the backs and holdings on, on the punt return. Oh, my God, yeah. You, you could see it in his blatant. And even I thought that he stepped out of bounds five yards before. And if you looked at the replay, which they only showed once, his foot slides out of bounds. But that's fine. I'm not going to bitch about five yards. I don't even care that the refs didn't call that. That's that's fine. Let them fucking play, man. Right. That's what I'm saying. And that's what they should have done here at the end of the game. Because here's the, here's the thing. 
you're going into it. The t- clock stops because obviously it's an incomplete pass. So now it's fourth down. They're obviously going to kick the field goal to put them up the same amount, 38-35. But now by the time they get the ball back, you're probably looking at a minute 20-ish because I'm not doing the exact math, but a minute 20-ish on the clock for the Eagles. One of two things happens here. The Eagles either make a great one minute and 20 second drive and score a touchdown or a field goal to go to overtime. So we either go to overtime or they win the game heroically. Or the Chiefs do what they've done in the second half of this game, contain Jalen Hurts, and they still win the Super Bowl. But either way, it's a better and it's a more fan-friendly, entertaining way to end a game than going, oh shit, here we go again. They decided not to swallow the whistle when the ball was on the line. Now, what makes this a little more discerning is we saw a couple other things during the game. Mm -hmm. I.e., for the first time in my watching... Mm. A player going out of bounds all of a sudden became a substitution. Yeah. And the referees egregiously stopped the play and slowed the play down so Kansas City could set up their team. Now, mind you, it could be part of the rules. Even the analyst for Fox was like, well, it's a little gray area. Right. Technically, you could call it, but most people don't. So all of a sudden, they're doing that. It's a grayer. I'm not saying that the game was fixed or rigged. I don't think that. I just think that the officiating, and I, I want to go back to even the championship games. I think officiating needs to be looked at. And for Roger Goodell to say in Super Bowl weekend that this is the best officiating yeah, he year said some for the like NFL, that, yeah. what are you watching, my guy? You've got people out there saying that your your stuff is a work like pro wrestling. You have literally people saying it's scripted and it's rigged. You need to address that. And how do you address this? Stop calling calls when they don't need to be called. If, if, if a penalty happens, I have no problem having the call, but be consistent on it. We saw a bunch of that with, uh, of, of course, with uh, delay of games as well. Mm-hmm. They're very picky. They, sometimes they throw the flag right away. Sometimes not. We watched a guy from the Eagles literally be off sides by, or no, sorry, false start yeah. by, by seconds. Yeah. And they didn't call it. And once again, I'm not arguing that you know bad calls didn't go back and forth. That's why I don't think it's rigged. But I just think that you guys have to be selective of when you swallow your whistle. And on that play at the end, it wasn't that it wasn't an infraction. It was a holding infraction. However, it was a very minor holding infraction. And he had no shot at that ball. So here's the thing. You go, okay, in the interest of the fact that there's a minute 20-something left, mm-hmm. we're not going to blow the whistle. Let's play this through. And if Kansas City is as good as they say they are, they're going to still stop the Eagles and they still win the Super Bowl. If not, we have a more exciting ending to this game and possibly them not winning. And that's my biggest problem with Travis Kelsey running around is nobody's putting respect on your Nobody's putting respect on your names, Travis, because unfortunately, and I'm not saying that there's a collusion, so don't think I'm saying that, but unfortunately, there's question marks about how you got to the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. There's question marks about what you did in the Super Bowl. And even though it's not your fault, People are going to always point to those. Patrick Mahomes gets a lot of calls because if he gets touched or we, we like to say breathed on wrong, there's a flag. I'm surprised the ref swallowed the whistles on that. He got hit a couple few times in this game. He didn't get sacked. No, he got hit. He got hit a couple times. He got hit. So, like, I'm, I'm glad that they did that. But you know what? We saw it during the regular season time and time again. And once again, it's, it's the same thing that happens with every superstar. Tom mm-hmm. Brady had that. Brady has this for years. Joe Montana had it in his time. I mean, let's go to other sports. Michael Jordan has it. LeBron has it. Like, I understand taking care of your superstars. Mm-hmm. I get it. And I'm not even against that. I, I honestly am not. I'm just saying we need more consistency from the referees. And Travis Kelsey, people aren't putting respect on your team's name because it seems like 
when you're at home, you get a lot of home cooking. Mm -hmm. And now when you're on the road, you also get home cooking. And it's kind of weird to fans. And there's a lot of fans out there that are disgruntled with the NFL and what's going on. And I can understand that. Now, mind you, this is coming from somebody who's not saying that there's, you know, the sky is falling and that the NFL is rigged. I'm just saying that looking at that play at the end of that game, that does sway the game in a big way because getting the ball back with eight seconds left is a lot different than getting the ball back with a minute 20 left. Oh, exactly. And it makes for a more exciting game. And if you are the team that's going to win, you're going to stop them. If not, why are you scared? I'd be scared of Jalen Hurts having the ball with a minute 20. Mm-hmm. Having it with eight seconds, it's a little different. You oh, know? Oh, yeah. It's easy. It's easy to get out of. I actually found the quote from Goodell about the referees. So I want to say, quote, I don't think it's ever been better in the league, end quote, concerning the officiating. Uh, he said that at his annual Super Bowl weekend press uh, news conference, according to ESPN. And I want to say, what were you smoking or in what games were you watching? Yeah. You know what I mean? That's that's, And I'm just saying that from a fan's perspective. And I get it. There's a lot of Kansas City fans out there that'll be like, or people who were rooting for Kansas City, they'll be like, well, Rich, you know, it, it was fair. It was whatever. It, but it wasn't. At the same, at the end of the day, it still wasn't. Let's explain away certain things that can't be explained away. And I don't think it's a league thing i don't think it's a script i don't mm-hmm. think it's the fixes in i literally think the referees are just not consistent with their calls and i think what they need to do is bring them together and i think we also need some rule changes yeah uh honestly if it's unca- you know there was a time where there was a thing as uncatchable balls right remember there was a time where a referee would throw a flag for holding or for uh you know pass interference and then they would deem oh and get on it well it was going to be pass interference but it was deemed uncatchable that was the definition of uncatchable in the super bowl he didn't hold him enough that he was going to catch that ball the ball was never going to get there he was never going to get the ball he could have been wide open he wasn't getting to that ball exactly that's that's a problem that they have to go figure out because when they're not figuring this out this is where these holes in the officiating come in and they're and they're blatant too like this is the thing that yeah, I'm not. I agree with you. I'm not saying the game was rigged by any stretch of the imagination. It was a great game, but when you're focusing on the referees' calls as we are, because they're inconsistent enough that when they pop up, you're going, "Well, wait a second. You haven't called this for three quarters. Why are we calling it now?" That's where the problem lies here. And here's the other thing. Let's use technology. You guys want to use technology? Let's do it. Let's hire more people in New York. Now, mind you, for the Super Bowl, we should have all hands on deck. Oh in my New God, York, yeah. right? But I'm just saying, in a regular season, hire more people to be in the studio in New York so there's one or two eyes on every game, and they have the advantage. And if they have to stop the game, they have to stop. We're already stopping the game. Mm-hmm. So don't add, tell me that it's going to add time to the game because it's not. But a call like that could have been looked at real quick in New York, and they could have been like, you know what? We're deeming that uncatchable. Mm-hmm. We're overriding you in New York. Okay, and that's how it should be because if that's what we want to do because everybody seems to be okay with you know the, the replays and stuff now – I don't think we should add the flag to be called against penalties because I don't think coaches should have the power to challenge that. But I do think New York should have it. Or an official on the field should be like, I don't know if that was catchable, and force a look at something. Like they do now for complete passes, like they do now for touchdowns. I think that if you make penalties that option too, we'll get a lot more of this fixed out because there's some of these penalties I just don't think should be called. A lot of people like to call them soft penalties, yeah. and I don't think we need soft penalties anymore. We're at the point in the game where you could look at that play at the end of the Super Bowl and go, well, that ball wasn't catchable, so there should be no penalty on that play. 
Mm-hmm. None at all. Just like, you know, it, and somebody could be like, well, when you hold on offense, it doesn't need to be near. But holding on offense is a whole other beast. Yeah. Holding on offense is, is a way to keep a defender away, and you can't really prove that that defender can't cover that ground. Holding on defense, if it was egregious, if he's tugging his jersey and we see that jersey back or he's got him in the headlock mm-hmm. and the pass is catchable, even if it's not catchable and he's got him in the headlock or something, okay, fine, call the play. Yeah. But the fact that it was literally a hand on the hip with a little tug, you have the video evidence, you can zoom in on it, at least, you know, Brad, Bradbury was honest and said, yeah, I did grab his jersey. I was just hoping that refs didn't call it. And it is what it is. But there was an uncatchable thing. So you should have looked at that and go, well, he didn't impede him that much. Yeah. And he definitely didn't impede him from catching an uncatchable ball. Yeah, it wasn't like he yanked him down. Like, that was the whole thing. The ball was uncatchable, but the fact you call it that late. And like I said, Kansas City had a five-minute drive. And this was a crucial part of it because this put him over the hump because Mahomes got that big run to get him in place. And then they call this after Philly's making a stop. If they don't call that play... Philly gets the ball back with plenty of time. Yeah, because it's fourth down. If they yeah. That's the field goal happens then. Yeah. Instead, they get five yards on a first down, mm-hmm. and that's it. Then they run it down to the last second, to eight seconds left. Yeah. And that's it. And that's where Philly ends the game. Yeah. It's a shame that a game has to end like that, too, because this is a situation where Philly had the momentum. I think they would have drove right down the field, and they would have scored. And they would at least send it to overtime. But we don't have that opportunity because this was taken out of their hands. But it goes back to the point, though, Philly's defense couldn't stop anybody. Right. here At the end of the day, I want to make this clear. I don't think that that's the reason they lost the game. I mm. think that's the reason we didn't get a great finish as fans. Yes, agreed. But let's be honest. If they stop Patrick Mahomes one time in the second half, we're not talking about this. Mm-hmm. One time. That's all they had to do was stop one time. Yeah. If they would have not fallen for some of those backyard high school plays oh that they were God, pulling the out of their the ass. The ring, well, they didn't get caught by that one, but they caught, got caught by that fake fucking shift twice. One on each side of the field. Mm-hmm. So, like, you go into that. If you wouldn't have done those things and would have stopped one of those, then that that also. Because they if they would have held into to a field goal even on some of those drives. Not even a, just stopped them from a touchdown. If they could have gotten in there with a sack or a turnover. So, at the end of the day, it's still on that defense to do what they did. Or you could say, well, the offense, one of the times they punted could have scored two. Mm-hmm. And so, like, Philly had the ample amount of time. I just don't want to put it too much on the offense because we just looked at the numbers. Yeah. Those numbers are phenomenal. 400 yards in the Super Bowl for a quarterback? You know, you added, actually, it was well over 400 if you add in the other rushing yards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's the one thing, too, especially Hertz was being so effective on the ground. I mean, how many times was it third and short and he QB sneak it and get over? 11 for 18 yeah. on third downs. Like, how wild is That's that? That's insane. That, yeah. Those numbers are crazy. Yeah. And they were even, what was it, two two for four on fourth? Yeah. Or something like that. It was way wild. They had a fucking wild stat for the Eagles. Kansas City didn't couldn't stop them on, you know. Here's my thing about Kansas City. I've said it for a while. Their secondary and their, and their defense is kind of sus. I'll give them credit. They stepped up in the second half of the game, mm-hmm. and they got some stops. And that's the difference in the game. If the Eagles could get stops like the Chiefs did, then we're talking different game here. Yeah. But even without the stops, all literally the reason it's on the defense is out of the entire second half, out of three touchdowns scored in the second half by the Kansas City Chiefs, they just had to keep one to a field goal. Mm-hmm. Think about that. Just one to a field goal. Yeah. So that's why it's solidly on the defensive coordinator, the defensive play calling, and the defensive players executing, in my opinion. And it's not trying, you know, obviously Jalen Hurts is out there being a team leader mm-hmm. and saying, hey, it's all of us and it's on me as much as anybody. Mind you, there's not much more that man could have done, but maybe not drop the fumble. Yeah, which, you know? I mean, that was such a freak thing, too. Because right. he was just, he was, he was trying to just maneuver his hands. It just happens. But, man, Philly, 
I think deserved a lot of credit for this game, and unfortunately they're not going to get it because everybody remembers who won. And I don't think Kansas City – I mean, Kansas City was a good team this season. Don't get me wrong. But I sit here and go, you guys had a few lucky breaks yet again, and this is how you won this game. Like I said, call me a hater if you will. Mm-hmm. But and I, I mean, I get it. I'm a Raiders fan. My team, I not have no delusions of grandeur with my team, as we all know. Sure. I, I like I said, I, I tried to talk them up in the beginning of the season, and instantly, if you were to go back to that and listen, I also said, but they're the Raiders. They'll find a way to fuck it up. Yeah. And they they absolutely did, right? Yeah. So my my point of the matter stands here is this is not coming for the fact that they're a rival and that I don't like the Kansas City Chiefs because of it. This is just being honest, and I got to give some what we call in six oh seven TWS inconvenience. Inconvenient truths. Mm-hmm. The inconvenient truth here, folks, is they're not a dynasty. Stop with a dynasty shit. Two yeah. Super Bowls in five years doesn't make a dynasty. My 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 adoration is three Super Bowl wins in ten years makes you a dynasty. Mm-hmm. The fact that you're always the fact that you went to another Super Bowl and that you've been in the AFC Championship for five games, all that means is that you're a little more successful than the Buffalo Bills in the early '90s. No shots at no, your team. No, none then. taken. But I'm just saying that's all that means. Mm-hmm. You you've been to this. You're like Peyton Manning, pretty yeah. much at this point. You're not Tom Brady. I'm sorry. If they can win another one next year or the year after, then we can talk about dynasty. But two and two and five years does not make you a dynasty. It puts you on the way, but it doesn't make you a dynasty. Yeah, it's going to become harder for them to to win those Super Bowls coming up because the AFC is only getting stronger. Mm-hmm. I just want to throw that one out there. You know, you think that the Cincinnati Bengals are done? I don't think so. You think that the Bills are done and going to lay down in the future? I don't think so. Let's you know, let's take it a step further. There's teams in their division that look like they're trying to. I mean, even the Broncos who were terrible. Yeah. You know, adding Sean Payton is a big move. They're not gonna. They didn't add Sean Payton not to fucking win. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you know, the Chargers are the Chargers. And hopefully, if the Raiders land a quarterback, we might see something different there as well. Maybe somebody will will have a season. I'm not counting on that. But there's a lot of great teams out there. And then you have to look at the other side. The NFC proved this year that they're here. Mm-hmm. They're here. I mean, the Eagles, I don't think that team, as long as that team stays together, and I don't think they're losing big pieces in the offseason. I, I don't think correct. they have any big pieces so they're losing. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them back. That's a team that, as long as Jalen Hurts stays healthy, mm-hmm. that's a team that's a contender. you got to add on top of that contendership the, the, the Niners as when they're healthy. I mean, obviously there won't be no Brock Purdy. But let's see what Trey Lance does. I'm still not ruling out that there's a certain number 12 that could be worn in that stadium next year. Yeah. Uh, don't until until week six or whenever the, the the deadline for not being able to put somebody off free agency happens. Or, I think it's week eight now. I think they extended it out to week eight. Yeah, because right? of the extra week. Yep. I think they extended it out to week eight. Until that happens, I don't believe that Tom Brady is retired. And if he's going to land anywhere, honestly, he's he's from the Bay Area. I think he's going to play for the the Niners, if anything. That is a possibility. If the Niners start the season like zero and three, I would not be a I would not be surprised to see Super Brady. And if you think he's too old to navigate the Niners to a Super Bowl with all that offensive power, whew, they had mystery relevant. And I'm I'm not taking anything away from Brock Purdy. No, but, but you're they right. They had a kid fresh out of uh, out of co- uh, college who almost took them to the Super Bowl, if not being injured, and would have I I. I hope that kid gets better, and I hope that he has the career he should have and that injury doesn't end his career because that would suck. We saw something real special with that kid, mm-hmm. and unfortunately an injury took him out. But I wouldn't be surprised to see number 12 there in a Niners jersey. Also, let's be honest, we don't know where Aaron Rodgers is going. Yeah. And right now it looks like the two landing spots are either the New York Jets, who I was the one that said that, man, they, you know, maybe not this year, but they're building to something great. And sure enough, we we discovered they were. Mm-hmm. They're going to be a threat coming up in the future because that team's young and they're only going to get better. They put a better quarterback in there like an Aaron Rodgers. 
you know, they're a playoff team. Let's be honest. So the Saints are going to have to beat that playoff team. Or the other worst nightmare for the Kansas City Chiefs is he goes to the Las Vegas Raiders. Yes. And then you got to play Aaron Rodgers twice a year with, regardless of how you look at it, one of the best receiving quarters in football if they have the right quarterback there. And you can't convince me that Aaron Rodgers isn't great. Aaron Rodgers would definitely lead him to at the, least the playoffs. the playoffs at the bare minimum. Because, yeah, you're right. I mean, they the only thing the Raiders have ever been missing is a real quarterback. Derek Carr is a, is a good one, but he's spurty. Like I say, like you get him in some games and he looks phenomenal. And then some games you, you, you're like, what is he even doing on the field? That's the one thing about the AFC, and I'm glad you brought that up because, like I say, in closing, like now the season is undefeated. Everybody's going to go to free agency in March, and the draft is going to be coming up very, very soon. But for the Chiefs, I, I agree with you. They're not the dynasty. Sure, you won two in five years. Like, that's great. But in comparison to the last dynasty we had, and that's the Patriots, I don't see that when I look at the Chiefs. I'm sorry. Well, let's not even give them the the the, the Patriots because that's a hard part to live. Mm. Let's even go back to the 80s and the Niners who won four Super Bowls in the 1980s. I mean, that's a decade, mm-hmm. four Super Bowls. You know, I don't think after two we call them a dynasty. Let's go to even uh, the weaker of the dynasties. And I know I'm going to catch shit from our good friend Dre Driven. Oh, I love you, Dre. But the Cowboys were a dynasty. They won three in the 90s. Yeah. Okay. That's a decade. They won three, and and I'm only and I'm not crapping on them. I'm just saying it's the weakest of them because they fell off after that. But that's why I say three is the number. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to the '70s. What was the dynasty in the '70s? The Pittsburgh Steelers. Steelers. They won four, if I'm not mistaken, or five. They might have won five actually in the '70s. I, I'm not an aficionado, but I know they at least won four. Mm-hmm. So if and then, like I said, the Patriots were the dynasty of 20 years. They weren't the dynasty. <laughs> they weren't the dynasty of you know just one decade like we're talking about with these other teams. They were the dynasty of the 2000s and the 2010s. Mm-hmm. Now we're in the 2020s. And yes, I understand that one of the Chiefs wins came in you know 2018. I will still count it towards the 2020s. If if they can win next year or the year after, the year after that, well, you know, in, in inside of the decade mark, mm-hmm. I will agree that they were the dynasty of the 2020s unless another team comes along and wins more Super Bowls from 2020 until 2030. You know, I will agree that they are that dynasty. However, I don't think two makes a dynasty because hell... I'm not not to be to like put a downplay, and not to crap on our friends who are Giants fans. Yeah, I was going to say, but the like New York the, Football Giants won one. In, what was it, '88, and then they won again in '90 or '91, uh, the year that they beat the Bills. Yeah, it was that's not a dynasty. They were in between the dynasties of the Niners and then going on. They also pulled off beating the Patriots not once but twice. And I know, Pad, sorry, brother, I know you're out <laughs> sick, and I know you don't feel good, and you're going to be mad at me for it. But we just have to call facts. But does that make the Giants a dynasty? No, it didn't make the Giants a dynasty. couple titles is great, and they've won titles over the years, but they've never been the dynasty. Mm-hmm. A dynasty to me, I've come up with a number. I think it has to be three. No, I agree with you. I really do, because two can – and I don't want to say two can be a fluke because it's still hard to win a, a chip. It really is. Yeah, but if you get a lot of luck on your side, you can sneak two. Like, that's the one Absolutely. thing about it. But, that, that, but to do it three times, especially with a game that is consistently evolving – and the talent is rising in that division. Like, this is one thing that, like I say, I always go back to the Patriots because they're the most recent one, but you take a look at with Dallas in, in the 90s era, too. When you have a team that is just that good, and when you go, you feel that any team against them is an underdog, like, that's where I kind of feel the dynasty is. And the Patriots were that team, as much as it pains me to say it. It is fact that you knew when you were facing Belichick and Brady. You had to have your greatest game ever 
and they had to have a bad game to win. Well, you really just had to throw shit against the wall and hope it stuck. Yeah. Let's be honest. Everybody gambled, and that's how you won games. I, I've always said it. The Giants and the Eagles took advantage of this, too. If you rushed Brady, you kept him on the move, and then your offense could just put some points on the board, That's how that was the secret to beating the Patriots in the Super Bowl. And the only way you came to that was going, hey, we need to just gamble. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to lose this game, so if we gamble and just put six guys in the box, which should not win us a game then that's how you beat that team. But that's the same thing right now. Kansas City can't say that they haven't been figured out because, once again, we're talking about two and five years, and they've been to five championship games in a row? Something like that. Five or six. Yeah, five, I think. Yeah, it's five AFC championship games in a row. So that means if you do the quick math, they've lost three of those AFC championship games. So people can't just lay on the fact that they aren't figure, they, they can't be figured out. Mm. You're more falling into the Colts territory. Not taking anything away from Patrick Mahomes, who I think is an elite quarterback. He's a Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. You know, as much as it pains me to say that because of obviously my team, but let's be honest, let's call it what it is. Yeah. He's a Hall of Famer. Travis Kelsey, Hall of Famer. Great. I don't know if he's the best. Uh, you know, maybe right now he's the best tight end in the business. Currently, yes. It, when All Gronkowski time, when Gronkowski mm-hmm. was in the league, not so much. But now that Gronk is gone, yeah, I'd say Kelsey's up there. But yeah, there's other names in that category, man. You have, you know, you know, Greg Kittle's out there. Doing yeah. fucking big things. George Kittle. Or George Kittle. Why did I say Greg? You know what? Because I'm still pissed off about Greg Olson last yeah. night. <laughs> How bad is that? Uh, I'm still ticked off about the comment. The commentary sucked during the Super yeah, Bowl. Yeah, commentary was bad. But, like, in closing, like, as far as it goes, we have to look to future. Once again, I'll say it. The, the Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl. I don't think that they were handed a Super Bowl. I think that I could have done without the egregious call. But to answer Travis Kelsey's question in a nutshell, you need one more to be a dynasty, in mm-hmm. my opinion. And a lot of other people's opinions. I don't think two is a dynasty. I think three is. Also, on top of that, you also need to prove that you can win without help. Yep. And I don't know if I think a lot of fans are pointing to the fact that they've had the help. I mean, we go back a couple. What was it uh, last year? Even with uh, the Bengals beating them and going to the Super. Remember, before them was the greatest game of all time, mm-hmm. as deemed by some people. I thought it was an amazing game. There was a lot of questions coming out of that game. Oh yes, I remember. It wasn't just oh man, Kansas City got to win over the Bills. No, people instantly went, we need to change overtime. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't because Kansas City was so good. They were just going, you know what? If we made this a little more balanced. Maybe they don't win that game. Yeah. And I think that's what fans and that's what writers and that's what the league needs as a whole. That's why I don't think the league is involved in this. I think it's just they need to get their refs in and figure out how we can be more consistent. Uh, We were talking about it during the game. I'll just throw it out there. There's been a longstanding rumor that for delay a game, the, the cadence is look at the clock. It says zero if you're the official. Look at the ball. Look at the clock. If it's still not snapped on that second look, you blow the whistle. So it gives everybody like these extra two seconds. Mm-hmm. But it's been an unwritten rule for a while. However, you don't always see that follow. But if that's the unwritten rule, which I'm fine with, I granted it's giving people two more seconds, that's fine. Also, now with seeing them stop a team from snapping the ball, yeah. but the, the play clock is still rolling while they're stopping that team. Like, how fair is that to the team that has only, you know, 35 seconds to snap the ball? Well, 40 seconds, technically, from the dead ball to the next dead ball if they want to come right back on and snap it. It's, it and why is a player stepping out of bounds without substituting anybody 
deemed a substitution. Those were things that I'm like, you know what? I've never seen that happen in a game. Mm-hmm. I never, and we, and I, I, maybe I'm, maybe I just haven't been watching the right games because I, I get it. We don't watch every game. We can't. It's not physical. But I know I've watched a lot of football with you this yep. year. And we watch a lot of football every year. Do you remember a time Never. that a referee stopped the game like that? The only closest thing I can think of was the incident in Dallas, not this postseason, last postseason, where the referee has to touch the ball. But that's different. They didn't stop the game. The refer- the rule is the referee has to touch the ball and mark the ball. There's a good reason for that because if a player can mark the ball, you can mark the ball wherever you, you want. You can mark it anywhere, yeah. So that's a good rule. So I understand why that happened, but I don't understand why you can't just go back on the ball. What's that do to the no huddle? Mm-hmm. Well, that's the whole thing. That's how the Bills used to run in the 90s with the K-Gun. It's like they used to catch teams off sides all the time. So why are we allowed – like why why are we doing this – I don't want to say in the interest of fairness because it really isn't, but it's just this is how the game is played. And especially to touch upon your point too about the wide receiver, you're talking about the Devontae Smith catch mm-hmm. where do we have a time limit on how long it takes to review a ball because it has to be – indisputable evidence to overturn a call. Oh, I'm glad that you brought that up because we did talk about it last night. I'm glad we get to talk about it because I would love to hear the ODPH Society's opinion on this as well. I think if it takes you a, more than a set amount of time, which is a commercial break, which I do believe are 30 seconds to a minute, mm-hmm. if they can't make a decision, that means you don't have enough evidence to overturn it. Yeah. And thankfully, they didn't overturn that. Right. But it, they took a ton of time. I think that if you can't do it within 30 seconds, if between New York and the and the refs on the field cannot dispute a, a call that's po- called on the field, we in the interest of keeping the game moving, you should go, okay, well, the call of the field stands. Yeah. Because obviously we can't find enough evidence. We shouldn't be – they shouldn't have an unlimited time to look. And that caused another problem. Also, coming into that, as you know, because they called that substitution rule – that's how we had that challenge. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, Chiefs did lose a timeout in their challenge. It didn't really matter so much at the end of the game. Right. However, why did he have all that time to figure out if he wanted to challenge? Optically, it's just it's a problem. Because technically they snapped the ball. Mm-hmm. Even though you stopped it, they still had the ball snapped. So sorry, if you wanted to challenge, you're going to challenge that. Coaches have to be quicker with the challenge. Exactly. I might even say this. You know what? You know what the hell would your coach challenges? Let's just do everything from New York. Yeah. Because it's not like they don't now. Well, we have to, plenty of times in the game where they stop the game to, 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 to take a look at something. Yeah, because it's now under two minutes in every score. So it's like, you know, just put it all in New York's hands. If you're really worried about, you know, what's going to be the effect on the field, all you got to do is just whistle. New York wants to take a look at it. And it is what it is. Well, I think what we have to look forward to is, like, again, like I said, Kansas City, you know, I, I'll, I'll say it. I'll swallow my pride. Congratulations on winning the Super Bowl. Really, I do believe that most of it was on the collapse of the, the Eagles defense in the second half of that game, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But I do want to say out of this game between the championship games and the Super Bowl, I hope that they have a lot to talk about at those uh, spring meetings coming up. Yeah, I hope that they sit down and they talk about some rules, maybe talk about some ways that you could use the review system to review maybe egregious calls or calls that we shouldn't be calling. Things Get rid of the soft penalties. Mm-hmm. If it looks soft, have New York say it's a soft penalty. We're not, we're not rolling with it. Yeah. Let's just go. And that could benefit everybody. I think that that would be a good thing because I don't think penalties should be off the table because there's times that penalties happen and they're just straight bullshit. Mm -hmm. So we need to get that off the table. Also, let's let the guys play. I appreciate that most of the Super Bowl they let them play. There was minor holdings and shit all game. I'm fine with that. That's the game. Yeah. If you don't see it, it didn't happen. Holding Even if you happens every it, play. Yeah, I was going to say, there's a hold on every play. And by the way, this is not favoritism for either team because both the Eagles and the Chiefs were doing it. It happens for every team. If it's egregious, and call it. 
If mm. it's not egregious, you know, if somebody's got their hand in the shelf pulling, somebody's got the jersey pulled back. If you got the guy in the headlock, you know, we need to call. Yeah, the like the one Eagle defender had his <laughs> hand completely in the guy's face mask. Uh, and Dominican Sue. Yes, yes, it was Dominican <laughs> Sue. Yeah, it's, it's like okay, that one. Yeah, and all he right. still was arguing with the ref. Nah, man, I didn't have illegal hands in the face, bruh, bruh. You were trying to give him the mandible claw. Yes. Okay, that's that's a penalty. That should be called. Good call. Every time. I feel like those are the calls that should be called. And like I said, I think that we should go through. And also, let's define a catch once and for all. Mm-hmm. I'm tired of this. Car- you know, sometimes it's all the way through. Sometimes, like, we were just we were debating. And, of course, Pad was happy about what I said. Man, at this point, don't you, the David Tyree helmet catch would be an incomplete pass. Yes. There's so many passes that were, like, great historic touchdowns that would be incomplete by today's standards because of the follow-through and everything else. Can we decide? And, by the way, we don't get to decide. Like, during this game, Goddard had the pass that was on his helmet, Mm -hmm. and I understand that the toe touched, but, like, the naked eye, you know, once again, though, if you can't overturn it, you can't overturn it. Exactly. But at the same time, I still thought that that's good enough for a catch. If there's a little movement, who cares? Like, as long as he's got control of the ball, the movement doesn't mean shit to me. Mm-hmm. It's if he's bobbling it. Yeah, if he's if he has to juggle it and he doesn't look like he has possession, that's a whole different story. But if he's just, like, shifting it in hands, but it's still in his, his uh, body signature, it's fine. And I think the league needs to take a look at that. And like I said, Kansas City, man, if you want to prove why people should believe more in you, and you want to be called the dynasty. Uh, first of all, Andy Reid, stop stealing Jimmy Johnson's shit. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't want to hear what about them Chiefs. Let's come up with something different. Yeah. Like, is, is it that hard to come up with something different? Or don't have anything. Because the Patriots didn't have some catchphrase. Why? Because Bill Belichick doesn't do catchphrases. No, he just goes out and wins. He just goes out and wins. We don't need a catchphrase. And we definitely don't need one that steals the Cowboys catchphrase. Because all you're going to do is piss off Dallas. And if you got to play Dallas, it's going to be a bad day. Mm-hmm. Because they match up very good against you with their defense as long as they keep that defense intact. That's a hell of a defense. We got to see that in the playoffs. Giving credit where credit's due to the Dallas Cowboys. Megan Dre happy with me yes. once again. But I just want to throw it out there. I just I can't wait for us to break down next season. I can't wait to find out what's going to happen in free agency. I can't wait to find out what's going to happen with trades and the draft and the rules. I just hope that this – I hope they take what they've had this season. I hope that Goodell was just playing lip service to the media and really sits down and goes, hey, we need to change a few things so we have the best entertaining product, especially after we're making the Sunday ticket available to more people by YouTube having it next mm, year. Yeah, that's like, a big move. This is a game changer for the NFL. Not only do they get paid a lot of money from uh, Alphabet Inc., which is the name of the company, which I had, we had to look up because I didn't know who owned YouTube. Yeah. I always thought that they were owned by Google. Guess they're not. Uh, so uh, yeah, we're we're all of a sudden in that in that zone, man. That yeah, Alphabet Inc. is doing big things over there. No, sorry, I thought they were owned by Jeff Bezos, not Google. They are owned by Alphabet Inc. owns Google as well. They just don't own Amazon because uh, originally they're going to go to Amazon. But I I think that that's a more eyes are going to be on it because you don't need a satellite dish. And I, from what I understand, it's going to be cheaper. Mm-hmm. That's what they said. And they also said that there was something about you could buy packages just for your team or teams that you want to watch, not the whole thing. We're going to have to find out when they roll it out completely because they haven't really rolled out the payment options yet. They just are uh, taunting that they have it. And I love that they use the cat video in the commercial for yep, it. Yep, it was, it was perfect. That was perfect. Uh, they've gone a long way from cat videos to now the NFL licensing. So with more eyes on the product, I think we got to make sure that this game is fair to the players who are on the field playing it. Well, at the same time, entertaining to the fans so the fans can't sit back and go, man, we got robbed. Mm-hmm. And I feel like for the fans who still believe that that was 
a robbery that it was an egregious call. I don't think it was so egregious. I just think it was a soft call that didn't need to be flagged. But I understand why those fans would be upset about that call as well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I can fully get that. I mean, in closing, too, you can't take away there was a. it wasn't a great game. It was an absolute great battle between two teams. It's just when you have those little moments that really take away and you kind of have that what if question mark that hangs over, that's kind of what takes away. But at the end of the day, it all boils down to Philly's defense didn't play enough. They didn't play four quarters. They played three. And when you give up that many points late, 17 in the fourth quarter, you're not going to win a game against a team that's as good as Kansas City is. And that's why Philly's going to need to do some homework on it, but they're not in bad shape going to next season. Kansas City, for all the dynasty talk, like you, you touched upon, and I fully agree with you. And unless you win three, you're not a dynasty. You're you're an elite team, sure. Dynasty, different story. And especially now, the season starts today. Everybody's undefeated. They're now going into an offseason where you have teams that were on the rise. They're only going to get better in the AFC and even in your own division. And then we have to wait to see what happens in March because when free agency hits and we start seeing some trades going down too as well, this is going to be tough for Kansas City to go back to back. They're lucky they got there this year. And, you know, like I say, luck played a big factor. But I think what would be really telling is if they don't get that number one seed and they have to travel, can they pull that magic off again? If they do, it's a different story. But doing the optic test as we see it, there's something when teams have to go to their Chiefs home stadium that – Things happen for reasons. When Can they pull this magic off elsewhere? That'll be the question we'll need to see moving forward. Also, until that record is more than 3-1, and one, it is still officially Burrowhead, folks. I'm sorry, Kansas City fans. One win against him at home doesn't equal the three beatings that he gave you. So you got to kind of make that a little more even to take it back. Absolutely. That said, the NFL season is officially done. Kansas City is your NFL champions for 2022-2023. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts about the Super Bowl game? Did you love it? Did you hate it? What was your takes? And how is your team looking going into that offseason? Because now the season officially starts. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Calling all movie buffs, cinema lovers, and film fanatics. Welcome to the Silver Screen Savers Podcast. I'm Michael Gallup. I'm Matt Sturdivant. And I'm Tyler Sukas. And we're a show for movie fans by movie fans. Every week, you can catch us discussing the world of cinema, including dissection of films both new and old, our takes on what's to come, career retrospectives of the most prolific names in the business, and much, much more. Listen in via your favorite podcasting apps, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, and more. You could also join the discussion and leave suggestions for future content by writing to us at silverscreensaverspod at gmail.com, following us at screensaverspod on both Instagram and Twitter, as well as liking us on Facebook at Silver Screen Savers Podcast. We'll see you at the cinema. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast with Rich from 3FN stopping by. It is time to talk some UFC. That's right. Uh, this past weekend, we had UFC 284 going down. Of course, that was going down on Saturday night. So let's uh, talk about, we're just going to talk about the main card, and we're only going to really give our opinions on the two main events. But here's the rundown of what also happened on the main card. In the opening contest of the main card, uh, Jimmy Crute and Alonzo Menfield went to a draw in the light heavyweight division. Happy to see Crute back because, remember, he suffered that nasty injury last year. He has- yeah. It was pretty bad, and it is very nice that he has made the return. However, it's interesting that they had a draw here. It doesn't yeah. happen often. I'm not a big fan of a draw. Maybe come up with a different way to get there. But let's go on to the next fight. The next fight was in the heavyweight division. Justin Taffa defeated Parker Porter 
by KOTKO in round one, a minute six into round one, to be exact. <laughs> Wasting no time. He does not get paid by the hour, folks. And then, of course, the last one that we're not going to break down completely is uh, in the welterweight division, Jack Delia Madalena. Uh, defeated Randy Brown via submission in two minutes and 13 seconds into round one. Also not getting paid by the hour. That's a pretty quick submission when you, when all things considered very quick submission. I believe he's from Australia as well. Cause the fight was in uh, Perth uh, for UFC 284. So I know the UFC has really got their eyes on him. He's making a lot of waves early. Uh, I know he called out something in the top 15. I think he's going to definitely get an opponent there. I don't have one off the top of my head, but he looked really, really good in this one. Just to bring you up to date crew. Taffa and Madalena, all from Australia. Oh, really? Yes, all from Australia. Okay. And, of course, in the main event, we have one more uh, Australian boy as well. But let's talk about the co-main event, if you will, or the first of the, you know, the co-main event, as they, they like to call it. Everybody has a different, you know, title for mm-hmm. it. We make fun of that in pro wrestling because there's really no co-main event. Right. Maybe call it semi-main, whatever you <laughs> want to call it. But uh, at the end of the day, we had for the interim featherweight championship, Yair Rodriguez defeated Josh Emmett with four minutes and 19 seconds into round two via submission to become your new interim featherweight champion of the UFC. Let's break it down, Ken. What did you feel about the Yair Rodriguez win? See, I don't dislike Yair. I just think that he is the luckiest fighter in the UFC. Because ever since he pulled off the Hail Mary back elbow on the Korean Zombie, to knock him out with at 459 in the fifth round that they were fighting, he somehow just finds ways to win. So this one, I thought he was going to have a real problem with Josh Emmett. I thought Emmett's power was going to really give him fits. But the minute they started getting to the ground, I was like, okay, something might be up. And the fact he landed that uh, triangle choke off his back, I was like, damn. Listen, I'm, I'm going to give credit where credit's due to Yair. He showed that he is very proficient on the ground. Uh, I know that's not a lot, that sexy to a lot of people. They prefer the strikes. He came in with a game plan, and I feel like he just executed it better than Josh Emmett did. Josh Emmett wanted to keep it on on the feet. You mm-hmm. could tell he is more of a striker. Yeah, he's but unfortunately, more Yair found a way in, got him to the ground, and in the in second round, that it was a beautiful triangle. By the way, I I, it, it, I don't understand like. There's a lot of times that you you look at something and go, how does that happen in a fight? Because mm-hmm. you're like fighters, but you got to also understand we're watching on television. We're not in the moment. We're not seeing 50 other things. We're not trying to get out. And, you know, in a lot of ways, I know I'm going to like, it's an over-exaggeration with save your life. Yeah. Save your fight life, if you will, as that's how I'd look at it. So we're not in those situations. I thought he did a good job trying to fight it off, but yeah, it just showed he was more proficient. Mm-hmm. And is that going to benefit him going forward? Possibly. Is he interim champion if we didn't have the main event that we had? Probably not. No. And if he goes up against the man who is the reigning UFC featherweight champion, I don't think he's going to win that fight. Yeah, that is going to be a big problem if they decide to go that route because that's the one area that we have not heard anything completely official with because, like you touched upon, we had arguably the fight of the year thus far. I know we're still early in the year, but we had the pound-for-pound best fighter on the planet and Alexander Volkanovsky, the UFC's featherweight champion, stepping up from 145 to 155 to face the newly crowned lightweight champion, Islam Machev, in a real test of who is the best. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because in five full rounds, that's right, it went to decision. Islam Machev retains the UFC lightweight championship by unanimous decision, defeating Alexander Volkanovsky. 
Although I think this fight was closer. I, I first of all, before we dive into the fight, we were just talking about rules in the NFL in the mm-hmm. first part of this show. You tell me. We had two judges that, that scored this, I think, properly. As far as the score, I could have gone either way. I would have thought this was a split because I had I had round uh, believe it or not, we had a discussion the other night. I had round two going to Volkanovsky. Yeah. Very slim. But I agreed that if it's that close there should be a championship advantage for that round. The champion should get the advantage if the if it's close. But so I'm not disagreeing with giving it to Islam. 48-47, 48-47. I'm fine with that. Here's where I'm not fine. 49-46. There was a judge who gave this fight 49-46 to Islam Machev. And Machev did a good job in this fight. But Volkanovski did not lose by much. No. Literally the skin of his teeth. He gave Machev fits. Uh, if anybody's out there thinking Machev is the new Habib, I think not, sir. No. Because, and I'm not saying, you know, I have my issues with Habib. He ducked Oliveira for a long time, folks. Mm-hmm. I, I don't care what anybody says. The reason I don't think that Habib is the GOAT, and I've been very public about it, is he ducked Oliveira for a long, long time. Okay? that That's a big problem. But anyways, Machev got almost defeated by a guy who is used to fighting at a lower weight. Now, take nothing away from Volkanovski, one of the best pound-for-pound fighters in the UFC. He's going to go down as an all-time great, in my opinion. I think Volkanovski's that good. He's the complete package. He can strike. He can go to the ground with you. He can defend. There's not much that you can do that he can't stick with you. Once again, Machev, a great fighter, Mm -hmm. and Volkanovski hung with him. Once again, I know when you guys broke it down last week, let's be honest, anybody who can beat Max Holloway on three occasions yeah. is 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 the real deal. And that's Vol- uh, that's Volkanovski. And you know what? He went out there. I think this needs to be ran back. I really thought that this was, fight was close enough. I don't think it was close enough to give the title to Volkanovski because you know my feelings on this. Mm-hmm. I feel if we're going to decision, you have to have a lopsided win. Perfect example was when Volkanovski beat Holloway for the title, for the featherweight title. Remember, that was by unanimous decision for Volkanovski. If you go back to that fight, Volkanovski won four out of five. Yeah, rounds. it was clear that, cut. That was, a, that was an easy 49-46 fight for, mm-hmm. for Volkanovski. That is the way you change a title in a division. When it's a close fight, I do believe the champion should get the advantage, although I would have made this split if I was a judge and I knew the other judges because usually they kind of have a little whatever. I would have made it, maybe made it split just because I think this should be ran back. It might be ran back, but I think the UFC would be smart to do it. I definitely agree with it. Like the, the big question mark was round two and however you judge it because I know Volkanovski said after the fight he thought he won rounds two, three, and five. Uh, Makachev said he thought he won one, two, and four, which makes sense. The second round is the only one that's the bubble one because I really do think that Volkanovski came alive in the third. He looked great. He knocked him down a couple times, and especially for Islam to really try standing with him, I thought he was Volkanovski was giving him different looks that he was not prepared for. And then especially in that fifth round, that's where Volkanovski really dug in. And we talk about like the championship rounds. You really saw about what this guy is made of, and I know a lot of times the featherweight division is I don't want to say it's forgotten, but unless you have a real star at the the top of the division, like a Conor McGregor in his prime. Sometimes the lower weight classes don't get enough respect, but Volkanovski has been stepping up and facing everybody they've been throwing at him. And for him to jump up to 155, which he is a small 155, like we're talking Frankie Edgar 155, you know, doing the optic test. I thought he handled himself very well, and especially that he was really taking everything Makachev was throwing at him 
And even when he got knocked down a couple times, like it didn't really rattle him too much. It was just something that Makachev did just enough to get him. And this is one that I definitely think they need to run back. I don't think that there's a real good way not to. Like unless they in unless for whatever reason, and and by all points are saying Volkanovski wants to go back. Unless he was like, no, I want to go and prove, you know, take out Rodriguez. I think that this is the fight you got to make. I mean, it's no disrespect to uh, Benin Darush, but I think at the, at the same point, if Oliveira beats Darush, because they are scheduled for a fight coming up very, very soon, then the question becomes, okay, well, if Oliveira beats Darush, do you run back immediately now? Uh, Makachev and Oliveira. Like, that's the question that you have because, like, with Benil Darush, that's a big X factor that if he pulls off this win, yeah, he's definitely number one contender, clear cut. But the sense is, where do you want to go with the UFC about this? I mean, what does the UFC want to do? And this is a very tough situation. Like, I think right now you run it back and you let Darush fight Oliveira and then see what happens there. Because, I mean, Oliveira is a great fighter. And like you touched upon, should have fought Habib a long time prior. The fact that he went on, what, a 12-fight win streak and didn't get a title shot until just, like, almost kind of forced the hand of the UFC to give him one is an, is, is a travesty. Oliveira is a very solid fighter. It just depends how motivated he is. Because I think the last time he was fighting, it might have been he just really got caught up in his own ego because he looked terrible against Makachev. Oh, I agree. I agree completely. Uh, I'm, right now, I've been trying to find where the Darush versus uh, Oliveira fight is. I don't know if, they, if they've officially announced it on the card. It is not on the next three major cards, and I don't see it as a fight night card uh, because we know the next three, 285, of course, is Jones and, uh, and Cyril Ghosn. Uh Then 286 will be Edwards versus Usman 3, and then uh, 287 Pereira versus Adesanya 2, and they already have the undercards announced for those pretty mm. much. The only thing that's not announced on the undercard for 285 is there is one person that does not have an opponent yet, and that would be Jalen Turner is fighting a TBA. And that's coming up on March 4th, so that's kind of weird that it's still TBA, and that is in the lightweight division. Unless they swap that out for Darush and... Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if... Because, I mean, as, as far as I know, I thought that that did get signed. I mean, maybe that's just heavily rumored, but still. Well, it might have gotten signed, but you got to remember, they've started signing stuff way out. Because we yeah. know things that are going to be going down this summer and also in September. So they might have done it for later in the year, but I'm just looking at... The, like, on ESPN, I am looking at the next three major fight cards. Mm. And I even did check out some of the fight nights while you're talking. I just can't find the fight. I know it's happening. Yeah, no. That is a number one contenders match that's happening. But I'll, I'll tell you what, they've got some fire cards coming up if you really want to know. Oh my God, no. The UFC has definitely gotten, you know, uh, as as far as the booking standpoint, they've really got some solid matchups coming. I that, mean, hell, I'm looking at that uh, uh, Usman Edwards three uh ufc 286 the co-main event of the evening justin gaethje versus uh rafael faziz yes that is going to be a fucking banger just throwing that out that's going to be a ridiculous fight card and then on the adesanya card the under fight is mazdeval versus gilbert yeah so i mean there's if you're looking for value from ufc i guess they heard us when we were saying hey if you're going to raise the prices you better give me value they're giving us value of course we are going to be watching and i know you'll be breaking down and there'll be a review of the next ufc card which you know cyril gone versus john jones for the heavyweight championship however 
you got Shevchenko defending her squad title. Talk about clearing out a division. Yes, that that's going to bring up a lot of question marks too. And like I say, it kind of ties back into this with as well because Volkanovski's cleared out the division except for one. Do you hold up that division or you just say you know let him go? And especially for Makachev is like you just you've all you're going to really have a problem on your hands about where to go. I think immediately they should say, okay, when can we run this back? And well, what? we know that Makachev has asked, and I do believe that he should be granted, and I do believe he's granted. He wants to take Ramadan off, mm-hmm. and I, I think that's smart on his behalf. And you know, his religious beliefs are very important to him, and I think that 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 should be respected by the UFC. And it is very hard to train during Ramadan when you're not allowed to. You know, you have to fast from you know sun up to sundown. Mm-hmm. So that's very hard on somebody who is trying to train. For an elite athlete. But I think that shortly thereafter, because, you know, maybe, you know, three, four months, run it back. See where we are in the summertime. You know, getting into International Fight Week yeah. might not be a bad idea to run back uh, Makchev and, uh, uh, of course, Volkanovski. And then you still can do the winner of Darush and Oliveira gets that winner for the title. I mean, I'm fine with that. I think because, that's a smarter play. Well, here's the thing. You might get, you're going to have one of two things happen. It was so close. That either, either uh, Machav comes back and goes, okay, it was a fluke. I should have won this match. And he and he doubles down. And he corrects some of the things. He laid and prayed in a couple rounds. Yeah. And I'm not very impressed with that, especially because he comes out of a long line, that Habib line. He's supposed to be the next Habib. He is from that camp. He should not be laying and praying because we never saw Habib lay and pray. No. That's one thing that I will give him the credit for. We never saw that. That is sometimes what champions do when they don't have something. And they're basically fearing their opponent. I, he did it. He did the right thing. As far as being and going home champion, he did the right thing. But it's it did show me that Volkanovski may have his number. Well, especially too, Volkanovski was landing strikes while he was being held. Like I mean, I think there was that one shot that's been going around the internet too, where Volkanovski gives the thumbs up while Makachev has his back, and he's like, he's not even protecting himself. Mm-hmm. He's like, literally just gives the thumbs up to the referee. He's like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm cool. Like, there's, there's nothing. There's nothing wrong. Here. You should never be doing that in a championship fight. Not saying like Volkanovski did anything wrong. But that's is okay. If Makachev, you got his back, you got to start putting some work in. You got to start making a submission. You got to start doing some strikes. You can't sit there and just rest. And I'm sorry, like that's just a bad optic. And especially in such a high profile fight, I think it's just a no brainer. You got to run it back. Yeah. And I think, I think where Islam, maybe he'll correct that. And he's a good fighter. Don't yeah. get me wrong. He's a great fighter. But like Volkanovsky is, is a tremendous fighter. I think if we run it back, here's the best case, you know, best and worst case scenario. If 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 he win, if he loses, Islam proves that he's he's good. Then you can have Volkanovski go back down, clear out his division completely, reunite the title, blah 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 blah. Worse, you know, or Volkanovski wins. That means down the road it sets up the trilogy, the, the trilogy fight. But in the meantime, we'll get Oliveira versus Volkanovski or. Uh, Darush versus uh, Volkanovski. Either way, as fans, we win. Yeah. I think the UFC wins because that's a big card. Those are great, great fighters. Yeah. Like, it, it's, it's, it really goes to show, I mean, as much as we kind of say the UFC is starting to lose some star power, they're really gaining it back because what they're doing is they're, re- they're letting the talent speak for themselves and the talent of the fighters, that is. Because this was a true heavyweight bout in the sense of talent pound for pound. This is one fight card that I thought deserved a lot of recognition, and I think now word of mouth is traveling about it, that I think now people want to see that rematch, and obviously Makachev is going to be taking some time off, but when he's ready to come back, I think this is a no-brainer for Ultimate or uh, International Fight Week, which is the biggest week in the UFC 
in the middle of July. So if you can book that as, as your main or even, you know, one of your main events, because they usually like to stack three champions on that card, this makes perfect sense to do. And then especially you can kind of let some of the lightweight division, you know, really weed itself out because you do have some great matchups to do there. And especially with Darush, it's like I don't think that he's in any position where he can do something wrong unless he loses. Because either he's going to get Oliveira or he's going to get Volkanovski. Volkanovski saying, you know what, I want to stay at 155. If I have to prove myself in the meantime, I'll fight. And then he does it right there. Because if he beats Darush, I think it's a no-brainer regardless whatever you want to do for it. But then you have to take a look at what Gaethje's doing with Fizev. And that's a great fight too. And then that could be also an eliminator fight, fight too because – Whoever's fighting between those four, make the two winners fight, boom, there's your number one contender if you if you really want to stretch things out, just depending on health and schedules. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I think the UFC's got a lot of upside. I know we'll be talking more about it coming up. They've got a lot of great fights going down, even between the fight nights and the major numbered pay-per-views as well. So I can't wait to be on board for some of the better fights that we've seen in a long time. Take away the clown fights, uh, you know, Connor coming back, I know. Yeah, no, we... <laughs> We really don't have a lot to say about that one. No, no. No. Um, I mean, Michael Chandler, hopefully he does the Lord's work and just beats his face in. Yeah, it could be two <laughs> minutes. Just him, him and ground and pound, and it'll look like old school Tito Ortiz fighting. Sorry, sorry. I'm not a big Conor McGregor fan. Back in the day when he was a fighter, I was. But let's be honest, those days have long since sailed. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the Poirier fights proved that he don't have it no more. No, he, he's an attraction now instead of a fighter. Hey, making money is a good thing. Yeah, yeah. I can't, I can't blame him for that. But it's like when you talk about titles and, and championship runs, he's just not that guy anymore. Like, I think they'd be smart if they wanted to book him and Nate Diaz for one more fight. I think that would be box office because Nate's obviously not fully into fighting for a UFC belt. He'd rather box and do some other things. That's a box office fight. Him and Masvidal, that's a box office fight. Anybody else? Eh, not really. Absolutely. So, that being said, we gave you a lot to digest about UFC 284 live from Perth, Australia. And there are some great fights that happen on that card, but we want to hear your opinion, ODPH Society. So hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPH Pod. What was your thoughts about the fights? And where do you think the fighters go from here? I know Mike from the Multiverse of Badness is going to be chiming in right now. Make sure you're being like Mike and let us know where you think the UFC is heading into a very, very busy 2023. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Are you tired of watching the same old awesome movies? Are B-movies more your style? Then the folks over at They Call This a Movie have you covered. Join us every Thursday as we review the worst of the worst in sci-fi, action, comedy, and more. We are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Podbean at theycallthisamovie.podbean.com. They call this a movie, testing the strength of friendships, one terrible movie at a time. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast with Rich from 3FN and 607TWS in the house. And we have to talk some basketball. That's right, some basketball in some late-minute blockbuster trades at the end of the trade deadline. Literally, when I say the last minute, the trade the trade deadline was going it went down at Thursday, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And they made this, they squeaked this in yes. the very last minute and was approved. So, in uh, what changes a lot of a landscape, the uh Phoenix Suns have received the services of TJ Warren. Yay. No, I'm joking. (laughs) Besides TJ Warren, they got Kevin Durant. So Kevin Durant and TJ Warren are going to the Phoenix Suns in return. The former New Jersey Nets, unfortunately now the Brooklyn Nets, Mm -hmm. (laughs) have received what I would call one hell of a package. Are you ready for what they received? Let's talk about it. A 2023 first-round draft pick. A 2025 first-round draft pick. A 2027 first-round draft pick. 
a 2029 first round draft pick and a 2028 pick swap. That is insane. Well, here's my problem. The pick swap is the only thing that they kind of didn't get the win on Mm -hmm. because, well, maybe they did because if the Suns aren't that great in 2028 and they're great, they can swap the spots. But if not, if it's the other way around, eh, unfortunately not for them. But, hey, that's a hell of a draft future. Every two years they get a first-round draft pick. So I've heard people say that the Nets won this. And I've heard people say that the Suns won this, and I'm going to settle it right now. I think they both won for what they need right now. Mm -hmm. The Suns have got a player for a piece to a great team that they've already put together that could possibly propel them to further in the playoffs than they've made it in the past. They were looking at a way to get over the hump to make it to that next level in the playoffs. We've seen them in the Western Conference Finals game. Mm. We've seen them, you know, even when the years that they don't make it there, we've seen them scratching that surface. Could this be the hump that they needed to get to the NBA Finals? Maybe, maybe not, but it it doesn't hurt. Uh, Kevin Durant is obviously going to help that team that they have down there in, in Phoenix. On the other end of the things, Nets are already a lost cause. You had all the drama with Kyrie and Kyrie leaving. Now you have Durant obviously not happy. He's not, you know, besides, they don't have anybody. Ben Simmons, he's trash. Mm -hmm. Let's just call it what it is. Ben Simmons, you know, somehow the Sixers pulled like the robbery of all robberies on the Nets when they offshooted Ben Simmons, who was nothing but a headache to them, remember, with all his injury, and I was doing that with air quotation problems, Mm -hmm. sending him over to the Nets, and in return, more solidifying their team trying to still make a run. Uh, I feel like the 76ers are kind of like the Dallas Cowboys, unfortunately, of the NBA. You're not wrong. They're always the bridesmaid, never going to be the bride. So... With that being said, though, I think the Nets trying to build a future, especially after falling on their ass, taking one, two, three, four guaranteed first round picks uh, over the next, you know, decade, pretty much. It's, it's not a bad place to be. It's not a bad place to be, especially too. They did originally have Jay Crowder in there as well with the deal, uh, Michael Bridges and Cam Johnson, but Crowder already got flipped to Milwaukee. Yeah. So Brooklyn is just rebuilding now, and especially with all the drama they they went in for the big three and trying to form their super team. Uh, The legacy it now leaves behind is super teams don't always win. Because Brooklyn, I will give them credit. I thought Joe Sy, the general manager of Brooklyn, he did what he had to, and that was completely blow the team up. He needed to move everybody. Obviously, when you have such big egos as Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, you think winning would be able to camouflage a lot of the drama going on there, and unfortunately, it just didn't. So now with Kyrie gone, it was a matter of time with Kevin Durant. We thought he was going to stay put and maybe they could get some pieces around him and really give him an incentive to stay in the East. Now he goes to the West with Phoenix, with Devin Booker, with Chris Paul, and that's a solid three combination right there. And now you have to say there's a big power vacuum in the East because after the Celtics, after the 76ers, there's a drop-off. I mean, Milwaukee's still there, sure, but Milwaukee is literally Giannis, and that's it, in my opinion. Like, I don't think they're a really solid team in comparison. But then you have to think, okay, there's a Miami, Miami still in there. The Knicks are looking good in you know with what they have, and obviously picking up Josh Hart from Portland that was a huge move too. But you have to take a look now at the West. There is no clear cut favorite right now. 
Oh, absolutely not. I think that this was a very big deal for the Suns to land. They are competitive in the West already. Once again, Durant is not the same player he was years ago. We've all established Mm. that. However, he still does bring a certain amount of prestige. He does still bring a certain amount of defenses have to plan around him. He's a veteran. He's wily. He knows how to score. He knows how to play the game. When you put him in there with two young bucks that are already getting it done, I don't think that this is going to be a bad play for him. No. The fact that they didn't have to give up Booker for this deal. That was huge. That was, I mean, that was what a lot of people feared when we first heard the rumor of it before it was even announced. Mm -hmm. The fact that they got to keep Booker is all you need to know. And I think that they made a very good decision. Yeah, it kind of hurts them down the line for draft picks. I get that. But in the league, let's be honest, they already have a young core. They're not going to be hurting for those same draft picks like some other teams might, especially the Nets. Mm -hmm. And here it is. Durant could get you over that hump. If he gets you over the hump in the next couple of years, if he's that piece that just he just has to do enough, he doesn't have to be the superstar there. They have the superstar. If he's that piece that can get you into that consistency of being in a Western Conference Finals game or into the NBA Finals and beyond, I mean, that's a good deal for them. Oh, it's a huge deal. And I think that it's smart for Phoenix. It just kind of makes you wonder a little bit about Kevin Durant, though, because it seems like you he can't be the center of the, the team, but he's a great complementary piece to a team. I think he's understood that, though. I think really after he him going to Golden State, mm-hmm. I think he understands he's not the star anymore. Yeah. I think that he's just going to places where he thinks he can win. And he thought that he had that power team going to go on in the Nets. Unfortunately, you should never trust Kyrie Irving. Yeah. Because, you know, he's he's lied to the fans, to the NBA, and to everybody else more times than we can count. And I'm, that's not an allegedly. I'll throw it out there because we don't have, want to get Brett Favre over here. Mm-hmm. But at the same point in juncture, like just look at the track record. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm not gonna be leaving Boston. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna be leaving Brooklyn. Yeah, you know he said it. At, there's two teams in a row. He says I'm not leaving. Yeah, and then that's why I say you can't, and you can't really trust him as a teammate, in my opinion. Like I say, that's the problem that when you have you when you're going on the court, you need everybody to be 100 percent all in if you're gonna win a chip. And let's be honest. Let's just—I know we you talked about it last week when it happened, but Kyrie going to Dallas kind of implodes their team. Yeah, I, I don't think good things are going to happen there. The only real move that could have made a difference was really if he would have gone to the Lakers. And the reason why is I think that I think that he understands now, according to his dialogue, he understands that Big Brother LeBron will make sure he's okay. Yeah, Big Brother LeBron is, can calm him down. You know, before when he was young and he was trying to, you know, be the guy, you know, when the GOAT was there in LeBron, now he's like, he understood because you've, you've heard him talk about it in the past couple of years. Man, I wish I would have treated it differently with LeBron. We have a good relationship now. I wish we would have had that. I wish I would have allowed that. That's the one thing that he's been very apologetic for. Mm-hmm. I think if he goes, the, if he would have gone to the Lakers, you would have seen some success out of Kyrie only because he would have listened to big brother LeBron. Yeah. Because that's how he looks at him as this big brother. Yeah. And now he does. And I think that the, him not getting there, I think that was also done by the Nets. Oh, the Nets absolutely. were like, fuck you, go somewhere else, kill another team. We don't care. We're not going to give you to the team that could win a championship with you, possibly. Oh, it made, it made perfect sense by the Nets. And, you know, I applaud him for doing it's that. It's petty, and I love every moment of oh, it. Oh, yeah. Well, how can, yeah, how can you not? Because look at the, what the damage him and Kevin Durant did in Brooklyn. Listen, if we're talking about a Seth Curry. Yeah. Or not Steph Curry. Steph Curry. Why did I say Seth? I mean, I, I love Seth Curry, too. I mean, I feel bad that he's like over, you know, <laughs> he's under like the giant, most giant of, you know, canopies of all time. But if we're talking about Steph Curry, who's, you know, let's be honest, 
He's the night. He's the he's the Patrick Mahomes of the NBA. That's why most people hate him. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a great face. He always says the right things. You know, he was brought. You know, he was brought up by his father, an NBA player, the right way to be a superstar, and he has the talents. We know he's a superstar. He's a Hall of Famer. He's had enough records. With that being said, if we're talking about like Steph leaving Golden State, let's say, and of course you would never trade him to somebody. And I know he's not leaving, but I'm just using him as an example compared to Kyrie. You're obviously going to trade him to the East. You would never trade him to the West. I could see because of the ambassadors for the game, Golden State facilitating whatever they had to do to send him to a team where he could win Mm -hmm. because that is the kind of – the value that he brought, the good morale, you know, that is the kind of person he has been for their organization that they don't want to see him falter. They would like to do what's best for not just their team, but also for him. Once again, that's never going to happen. Kyrie on the other end, he has been nothing but a cancer to multiple teams at this point. He was a cancer in Cleveland. He was a cancer in Boston. He's been a cancer in New Jersey. It doesn't take long to figure out. Mark Cuban, trust me, you're not the Kyrie whisperer. Yeah. He's going to be a cancer in Dallas, and you had something good going on. But he's going to go down there, and he's going to fuck that up. Please believe that. I mean that with no disrespect. I think Kyrie's a great player when he plays basketball. Unfortunately, he gets into his own head. He thinks that he's better than he is. He thinks he's LeBron James, and he's not. Mm-hmm. Could he have been LeBron James? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe he did have the raw talent. Unfortunately, he's blown a lot of that, hmm. and he doesn't have any goodwill coming towards him either. And on the other end of that, you have Kevin Durant, where Kevin Durant has made some bad business decisions, but let's be honest, he still has a lot of goodwill. I mean, honestly, Nets got a steal of a, a trade with him, but I think also going back to when I made that analogy with Steph, you could say that about Kevin. Yeah. Kevin only wanted out because of that cancer. I think New Jer- I think that the Brooklyn Nets understood that, and I think management went, you know what? Let's give you what you want, and at least we'll get a lot out of you. They got a lot. But on top of that, we can send you to a team that might be able to use you, not in our division. Oh, it's smart. No, I thought how Josiah handled it, especially with Kevin Durant, because I know there was talk Boston was looking at. There's uh, no way they were trading him. There was no way they were trading him to the in anywhere in the Eastern Conference. It was never happening. Yeah, you're not going to trade a player like that caliber, especially to a really good team in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. I mean, I understand that the Nets know now that they're rebuilding, but that doesn't mean we give our our opponents that we have to play more times than not the ammo the people that we might have to play in the playoffs if we can still make the playoffs even if we're a lower seed you're not going to give that up that's that's stupidity mm-hmm. you're always going to trade to another it's just the same thing we talk about in the nfl if you're given the option to trade you're trading if you're an afc player they're trading you to the nfc and vice versa you very rarely see somebody get traded to a division rival although it does happen uh remember uh what was it hockensock there to go into to the vikings yeah which was the dumbest move that Detroit made all year. They made some great moves, but I don't understand that yeah, trade that one's at all. Yeah, that was a little right? bizarre. But getting back to the basketball, I think that uh, we're going to see some interesting things, just like when we talked about with football. I think this Durant move, I don't think Durant's the player of all, but I still think he has stuff in the tank. And I still think his veteran uh, leadership and on top of that, the fact that he still understands he's a problem. He's going to be somebody you have to game plan around. And now teams were really locked in on Booker. They can't just be locked in on Booker because hmm. Kevin Durant can still score. He's a great shooter. He's been a good shooter his whole career. You can't just go, oh, he just posts up. No, no, no. He can splash the ball from anywhere. And now you're putting it down that you can't just double Booker because you double Booker, 
you get Durant now mm-hmm. scoring on you. And there's other pieces of that puzzle, but that's going to be the one-two punch you're going to see that might be able to get them over the hump because they're a team that's on that cusp. Yeah. They really are. They're a team that, you know, they're not the Golden State of the world, but let's be honest, Golden State's getting older. Mm-hmm. Golden State, and even by their own admission, we've had a hell of a run. Yeah. Speaking of dynasties, we can call Golden State a dynasty, okay? They've got, they got the title pedigree for a dynasty. Mm-hmm. And also the fact that no team has been able to truly figure them out. The only reason that they've gotten quote-unquote worse record-wise is because they've aged while they were injured for a couple seasons there. But whether it was injuries or now that they're getting aging out of it, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that is the only reason people are quote-unquote figuring them out. It's not figuring anything out. It's just that those guys are going through the natural progression that everybody goes through. You're not going to be as good at 35 as you were at 25 Mm -hmm. in the NBA. It's a young man's game. Unless you're a freak of nature named LeBron James, you're not going to get 20 years in the NBA. And I know there were some comments out there after he won, you know, all-time score of, okay, it's time for him to retire. We already know his plan. His plan is to play a season with his son. Yep. And you know what? The man earned it. Listen, as much as I have been, I'm not a huge LeBron fan. We all know that. Mm. But I have respect for that man. And I have respect for what he's done for the game of basketball. If he wants to play a season with his son, let that man play a season with his son and then ride off in the sunset. Yep. he's He is literally, you know what, when we talk about guys that are great players, he is one of those great players. He's a once-in-a-generation player. For all the people who don't think that that's true, I'm sorry. I, I don't know how to explain that better. And I, trust me, I'm not a guy who is a big LeBron fan, you know that firsthand. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. I'm a guy who is, you know, identifies as a Lakers fan most of my life. I have switched now because I stopped watching basketball. I've come back in the fold and listened just so nobody can call me a front runner. I am now rooting for the New York Knicks. Uh, just so, because nobody, get, I mean, they're doing better now, but that doesn't mean they're great. I try to keep closer to home. Now my only non-New York team is I'm a Raiders fan, but you know, I have to self-loathe myself. So I guess <laughs> adding the Knicks isn't such a bad thing after all, because that's my other self-loathing there. But, uh, Going back to it, I, I think that we know the plans through the next seasons. I Like I said, in getting here in the second half of the NBC season, because we're coming up on the All-Star. Mm-hmm. We're coming up. We, second half is almost upon us. Yep. Literally. Like, weeks this weekend. Is it this weekend? Yeah, it's this weekend for the All-Star game. Second half's upon us. The playoff run's coming. And uh, I'm, I'm excited for it. I'm, ex- I'm not excited that there's no dunk contest. What's up with that? Yeah, I don't get that. But well, I do because nobody wants to be in the dunk contest anymore. It's never stars anymore, so nobody tunes in. Well, that's the whole thing. They got they got to try giving some incentive for some stars to play. Man, LeBron should just do it just because. Why not? Yeah, do his last year. It's just that. Like uh, maybe next year he will. Maybe they'll bring it back just for him to do it. I think that he should just do it because you know you, you want to be considered in the same breath as Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan did dunk contests and he won them. Mm-hmm. Granted, when he got older, he didn't, but he didn't need to. He had already won them. Yeah, I mean, he had some great legendary him versus Don. Dominique Wilkins will go down in history. Yep. And I don't understand why players don't see that, man. There was even, you know, even when some guys, you know, guys made a name for themselves. Remember Harold Miner? Nobody knew his name. Yeah, Baby Jordan. And he fucking went and won a dunk contest there. Vince Carter, great player, but he really got noticed from winning a dunk contest. Multiple dunk contests. Between the uh, leg dunk. Oh, uh, dude, putting his arm in the rim? Come yeah. on. Come on. So there was a time. Speaking of the New York Knicks, Nate Robinson. Mm -hmm. Nate Robinson, the second coming of Spud Webb, wins a dunk contest. Little Mighty Mouse. Jumping over Dwight Howard. Right. But Yeah. And guess what? That made a name for, you know, so there is a value to a star being made in these in these dunk contests. So I don't understand why. I, I get it. The league is more of a three-point league now. But come on, guys. You're not going to get embarrassed. Have fun with it. Well, that's a little point, too. And I know it kind of got a little out of control when Blake Griffin jumped over the car. 
Yeah, like, it was just a Kia, though. Come yeah, on. still, though. It's like it, it, at that stage, you got to kind of just bring it back to the basics. Just bring it back to the dunks and really have some fun with it because it's supposed to be All-Star Weekend. And then, obviously, that is one of the more relaxed times of all the NBA season because after that, this is when teams really start playing. Like We always say like Christmas Day is the official opening day for the NBA because everybody's kind of in that feeling out process for the beginning half of the season. Now, after the All-Star break, people are getting into playoff mode, and that's a great thing to see. And especially looking at that Western Conference, too, you have Denver as the number one seed right now. Memphis is number two, except Memphis is I, – I do applaud the trash talking, but they need to tone it down a little bit. Bro, here's the first part. Their trash talking is now getting clapped back. Have you seen uh, Have you seen uh, anywhere on the TikToks where we got the uh, Eminem rap only about uh, John Morant? Yeah. Ah, man, that is so funny. If you guys haven't seen those, go check that go out of your way. It is hilarious. I love it. It just goes right down. He went to a private school. Just playing up. You're not a gang. You're acting like a gangster. You ain't a gangster, pal. It is hilarious. It's amazing. But that's what happens when you talk all that shit. And the problem with this, and you know what? L- listen, I, I I don't want any beef with, with our guys down there in Memphis. Mm-hmm. You know, I, we, we, have, we have that Memphis family. I, I love those guys. But here's the thing. Until they do something, they need to shut up and just get it done. Exactly. Because the biggest problem with Memphis to me is you're running your mouth, but you can't, you're writing checks with your mouth that your ass can't cash. Until you can cash them, shut the fuck up and play the game. And the problem is, is that they've come close and they, they, they're, they've gone on these hot streaks. But when it comes down to the playoffs, they're not in the bubble. They don't get past, they're not in the finals. Mm-hmm. They need to figure out how to conquer that mount. If they go to the finals and they win a championship, then next season talk all the smack you want. Exactly. But until you get to, or even if you get to the finals, you can talk a little more smack. But the amount of smack they're talking right now, if they don't make it to the NBA final, actually, with the amount they're talking now, if they don't win the NBA finals, then they're going to get roasted from here until next century. Mm-hmm. They should have just been quiet. And next year, talk smack if you can make it to the finals or beyond. Exactly. That's all I'm saying. No, I, I fully agree with you there. Sacramento is the number one, the number three. That was surprising. To That's me. surprising. When I saw that, I was like, "Are you joking?" Like, I I haven't been paying attention to the Western Conference at all, but it's really Sacramento. Yeah, they got a quiet young team. You know what it is? That's the way to build it. I mean, Toronto was mm-hmm. the the architect of that. Think about how long Toronto's been on top in the East. But you think about and what, even like Miami snuck in there because they just built a team that nobody knew after you know the you know after their mega team left. Yeah. Well, you think about all those times in the '90s too, when you know, it was Chris Webber, Mike Bibby, and uh, Pedro. Well, I mean, there was the uh, the NBA conspiracy theory with the Lakers. <laughs> I mean, I actually I kind of believe that one. I'm just going to yeah. throw that out there. We'll move on. Who's next up there? <laughs> but number four is Dallas currently. Five is Phoenix. Six is L.A., the Clippers, that is. Uh, New Orleans is uh, seven, but uh, Zion is out for a while. Yeah, they're going to fall off. Zion, is, for them, the bad part is that they have all their apples in one basket. Zion's a tremendous player, super injury prone, and it's probably because of his size. And I know he slimmed down, not shitting on the guy. Yeah. I, I, he's a great athlete, dude, it, even at his gigantic size, but it, it takes a lot on the body, and that's what happens to the big men if they don't they don't take care of themselves. And unfortunately, the Pelicans just put too much into that, man. They should have really kind of brought some people around him. Yeah. Uh, the Clippers, like we said, number six, uh, New Orleans seven, Minnesota's eight, the Golden State Warriors nine, and ten is Oklahoma City. Oklahoma trying to sneak in there, man, for them Oklahoma fans. They're trying to smuggle themselves in, and they might do the job. Like I said, Golden State, man, they're showing their age right now. Nothing against that team. I still love everybody on that team, even though, you know, there's a while where I'm like, I don't want to see them win again. 
you got to be honest. They're they're all good dudes. I mean, even even the donkey's a good guy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you got to love Green. He's a, actually, matter of fact, I love when he was picking on people's kids. Yes, in a fun way. It's 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 good to see those guys because now they become. I will say this about the Golden State Warriors. One of the things that's pretty awesome is when they were young, they were full of a lot of brashness, but they were still kind of respectable. They talked a lot of trash, but they backed it up. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, they shook everybody's hands, which is still sportsmanlike. So I give people credit for that. However, as they become older, they become ambassadors for the game. Like, you know, they're out there, like, talking these young kids up. Even even if they lose, they're like, oh, you know, we're watching the next generation grow. We know our time's up. Even Steph Curry's like, they won that last title. And then he was like, eh, don't get used to it. I don't think we got another one. Yeah. He was honest. They, they somehow put that shit together, give them all the props in the world. But now it's showing it. However, I would never count them out come playoff season. Listen, no. if they're a seed in your playoff bracket, there's a chance they go to the finals. That that you know what they might get ra- the, the car might be raggedy and it might be on its last leg still drives but it still drives man and, and and don't don't ever count them out yeah that being said Kevin Durant coming to the West is going to be a big factor to see how it all plays out and we win as fans because the Western Conference is going to be a real fun division to watch and plus it means one less threat in the East for the Knicks absolutely <laughs> like let's be honest that's the biggest key yes the biggest key is Durant is not there to play the Knicks anymore yes you know now we can just focus on uh, beating Toronto and beating Miami and beating a couple of the other squads that uh, you know yeah. refuse I refuse the name yes <laughs> I'm, I'm right there with you so that being said hit us up on that hashtag hashtag odph pod was your thoughts about the Kevin Durant move in the NBA what are you feeling about the Western Conference now and how about those Knicks let's talk some Knicks basketball I'm, d- I'm down for it so that being said hit us up let us know we're gonna take a quick break we'll be right back hey guys it's Alan Dunford here from Top Hat Studios co-writer and co-creator of Pocus Hocus and Grandma Chainsaw and you guys are listening to the odph podcast Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast with Rich from 3FN and 607TWS in the house. And instead of doing our usual local minute and one shots, we're going to give you a little taste of 607TWS to close out with. But before that, we got to talk some hockey. Listen. We have to talk some hockey because I don't get Ken to talk. I mean, me and Ken talk hockey yes. quite a bit, especially when we get to the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. However, however, I know because he, he's just a, such a passionate Rangers fan. I am also a passionate Rangers fan. And we have not gotten to gloat the fact that since the new year, the Rangers, who we thought were left for dead in the beginning of the season, are 12-4 and four Let's in the go. new year. Let's they go. have moved up inside of the bubble, currently sitting at the sixth place in the whole Eastern Conference, third place in the Metropolitan Division. Let's go. So only behind some really solid teams. Let's be honest. You know, Boston is number one. Mm -hmm. You know, fuck the Bruins. Yeah. Uh, The uh, Carolina Hurricanes are number two. Somehow. Fuck fuck the Hurricanes. (laughs) (laughs) The New Jersey Devils are in third. I don't know how that happened, but fuck the Devils. Uh, The Toronto (laughs) Maple Leafs are in fourth. Fuck Fuck the Maple Leafs. Yep. And then finally, the Tampa Bay Lightning are also in front of us in the Eastern Conference. And definitely fuck the Lightning, okay? Uh, <laughs> I know I've just offended a lot of fans out there. I don't care. I will take the smoke. Ken will take the smoke. I will gladly take the smoke. No, this is why we don't talk hockey. Like, I get DM'd all the time. Like, you guys really don't talk hockey. I'm like, we're not biased. Like, you know, we try keeping things pretty fair and balanced, so to speak. No, hockey, no. It's like, fuck everybody else. No, we're this is Rangers Town here. 
Oh, absolutely. And let's just talk about the fact that, I mean, in the last couple games, I mean, defeated the Hurricanes 6-2, to mm-hmm. defeated the Kraken 6-3, to and then we had two amazing games. And if you did not, if, if you have not watched hockey, I'm going to tell you the two games between, uh, first of all, the Rangers-Canucks game was good, 4-3 to victory, but probably the game of the year, and not just because I'm a Rangers oh, fan, Calgary. but I heard, I heard a lot of people out there talking about this who aren't even hockey fans. There was a game that went down on February 6th. They went to overtime 5-4. to four. The Rangers defeated the Calgary Flames, one of the greatest games I've ever seen. If there's a if there's a person that doesn't understand hockey or is not a fan of Show hockey and that. you're a fan of hockey, even if you're not a Rangers fan or a Flames fan, because, dude, the Flames impressed me too in that game. Flames are super good. Flames are solid. Well, that game in particular, yeah. both teams, I don't know what it was. They were playing like it was Game 7 of the Stanley Cup you know, finals. It was amazing. I don't know. One of the most tremendous regular season games I've seen. And not just because I'm a Rangers fan. If you watch the game, you'll understand why. It had all the drama of any game you could go to. Both teams had a lead that was blown. They go to overtime, and the Rangers win in spectacular fashion. You you couldn't have wrote a better script. No, it, it was made for movies. Like, that's how great this game was. But the big move that they did before the trade deadline, Vladimir Tarasenko. Yes, sir. Adding a big shooting presence to that RAE scoring machine. It is a scoring machine. Let's be honest. The one thing that the Rangers are set up to is the score. Yes. I mean, that's a lot of money going into them scores. Yes. <laughs> uh, maybe we sacrifice some things on defense. I, that's, you know, my my opinion is we definitely sacrifice some things uh, on defense. Thankfully, and I know I'm you and I are both not Truba fans, but Thankfully, he has stepped up, and yeah. there's been some hard edge to him lately, and if he can keep that up, maybe we got something going. Yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of him, and I thought Kreider should have got the C. I really do. But listen, he if he keeps him motivated like this, I can I, I will turn around on him. I'm not the biggest fan of him, too. I think he plays a little too uh, close to the cross on the line sometimes. But that's just my opinion. Yeah, well, you know, like I said, we have some great players out oh there right God, now. Yeah. And you know what? As the hockey season, all I know, I, I I do mean fuck all those teams, by the yeah. way. No, I'm with How, you. However, I will say this. There's some great teams out there. I mean, the Bruins are having a hell of a season, mm-hmm. all jokes aside. The Hurricanes, I mean, even though we just dominated the shit out of them, I don't know how they're in the second place, not all shitting aside. They came out of pretty much nowhere to kind of just – have this tremendous season. I'd love to see it kind of continue. Obviously, I'd love the Rangers to continue to beat them, but I would like to see the season continue uh, in a good direction because it's always nice to see a team. The Hurricanes are one of those teams that show up and then don't show up, so it's nice to see them show up. And the Devils renewing some shit that as Rangers fans, uh, we definitely like to punch the Devils in the mouth. So yes. it's nice that they're relevant again because that means it means even more. It was it's when you beat up on, you know, the 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 the, the guy with one leg. Yeah. You know, the one legged guy in an ass whooping contest that the New Jersey Devils were for years. It's still satisfying because it's the Devils at the end of the day. However, Over. it's nicer when they're standing on both feet and they're doing a good job and you can beat them at that level because it's, it's better for the bragging rights. Exactly. That's the one thing, too. The Eastern Conference is definitely picking up steam and going into the playoffs because that will be coming sooner than later. Hockey playoffs are a whole different beast altogether. So if the Rangers are coming in hot like they are, I want to see them really make a deep run. I think, I think this is now – I don't want to say now or never, but it's like, man, we're so loaded right now. It's like, why not? Why not us? Exactly. Why not? And they had that great run last year. 
that, that wasn't supposed to happen. So maybe we can have another a sequel to that this year. It looks like so far in the new year they're doing exactly that. So fingers crossed as a Rangers fan. If you're a member of Rangers of Blue Shirt Nation, you stand the fuck up because uh, we're, we're, we're trying to make that come back and win that hockey Lombardi, as our good friend Pat McAfee would say. If you're wondering, we are standing behind Pat McAfee. Yes. So fuck Brett Favre. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Favre, sorry. <laughs> say your name right, bitch. Uh, and then uh, on top of that, I will also say as well as I'm being influential, if you're not a fan of the Rangers, just deal. Yes. So that's why we don't do it because then there's going to be a lot of people probably in Ken's messages about how we, we talk shit about their favorite team. Good. Your favorite team sucks. Yes. That's what I say. People always ask, why don't you talk hockey? Because it's the most biased Rangers show you'll ever hear. The reason we talked about it today is because I wanted to gloat. Yes. And since I was the guest, I'm gloating. Yes. So now let's move on to what we do very well, and that's talk about some pro wrestling. Yes. And uh, if you want more pro wrestling talk, as Ken M always says, check out 607TWS wherever you get great podcasts, or just visit odphpodcast.com or 3fnpodcast.com, and you can stream it right from there. And we cover a lot more. Of course, when you hear this show, the new episode will be dropping shortly after this one as mm-hmm. well. And uh, we are we got a lot to talk about this week. That we, we will be talking about Elimination Chamber again over there for the fans that don't listen to both shows, but you should be listening to You should be listening to both. both. But we, so we, we do have to still talk about both. However, we're going to probably shorten that down a little bit now that we're talking about it here. I might even open the show up, but we have a lot of, there's, there's a huge New Japan show going on with the return of Mercedes money mm. to a big co-main event spot. Yes. That's what we're going to talk about this week. We also have that indie roundup and so much more. So you're going to want to check it out because you never know. You might find out about your next favorite wrestling federation if you are a fan. And that's what we're here to do. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of fans coming out now because of the Elimination Chamber and the storyline going on there that we're going to discuss. So if you like what you're hearing there, that's why you need to tune in to 607 TWS because you're going to find out so much more. You'll become a, a major wrestling fan overnight. And since we record usually on Monday nights for 607 TWS, which is it's, it's a gift and a curse, mm-hmm. you know, this week you're going to get something that you get. You got a little taste of it last week, but I'm going to really talk about the Cody Rhodes stuff on that show. So there's a teaser for you WWE fans, that Cody Rhodes promo from last Monday. We didn't get to speak on it last week, but on the same night that I I declared that the wrestling world, especially the online wrestling world, was telling Cody to step to the side and, uh, you know, give up his WrestleMania spot to Sami Zayn. That same night, he cuts one of the greatest promos to ever be heard and uh, reaffirms that he should be the main event. And I think it calmed that internet level came down. Like, how is he not going to get booed if Sami Zayn's not there? I think we found out. But we'll dive into that more in 607 TWS. So if you're interested in that opinion, just go there. But let's talk about the Elimination Chamber, shall we? Because that's how we close this out. Of course, the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view is going down this upcoming Saturday, February the 18th, from the Bell Center in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. And, of course, you can see that on the Peacock. Cock, 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 the, the peacock, peacock, where they have their pre-show starting at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Main show starts at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And, of course, that's for the low, low price of $4.99 a month or $9.99 if you don't want the commercials. Either way, I think it's a steal. Uh, peacock has got some really good shit on it, besides WWE They're Network. picking their game up. Dude, I I, I'm a lo- I love the show Frogger. If you guys want to go on, there's a game show I called Frogger. Check, check it out. I don't know if they're going to do another season, but it's worth watching the first season. It's especially big shout-outs to Bobby Orlando. If you you know our good friend Bobby Orlando from the Indies. Bobby is on an episode of Frogger. He brings Bobby Jr. That's all you need to Okay. Know. 
That's all you need to know. I'm to sold. Watch. So anyways, bringing it full circle. Uh, if, if Bobby's hearing this right now, we love you. You know that. So let's talk about the uh, the Elimination Chamber finally. Let's talk about first up one of the two Elimination Chamber matches going down. Of course, this one is for the WWE United States Championship. Your United States Champion Austin Theory defending the title against Seth freaking Rollins. Johnny Wrestling Johnny Gargano. Bronson Reed. The Judgment Day's Damian Priest, and last but not least, representing the Street Profits, Montez Ford. It's a good. That's a good matchup there. I'm going to tell you my prediction here. I think that the superstar breakout moment in this match is going to be Montez Ford. I agree. He's always taking it to that next level. I think he's going to have a hell of a day in this. Remember how Kofi Kingston took that next level? I'm not saying that he's going to main event WrestleMania right after it like Kofi did. But when Kofi Mania started an elimination chamber, I think Montez Mania is going to continue to build in that elimination chamber. Because looking at this, I think he's going to do some cool shit. Or at least I hope he will. However, I I honestly see Austin Theory still walking out champion. By nefarious means, by accident, as he's continued that belt. Because I really do believe they're setting up for something big for him at Mania. I don't know if it's the rumored John Cena match, but it could be. It could definitely happen. I mean, this one is going to be a real fun one to watch. I think they got a really talented group inside this cage. I do expect Montez Ford to do a crazy frog splash from one end to the other end of the cage. Like, that's that's going to be the moment. Like, it's going to be going viral. But, yeah, no, I'm with you on this because I, ju- I just don't see them taking the belt off Theory this close without a program set up for somebody for Mania. And, obviously, Theory, love him or hate him, has earned that spot that he can now go to Mania and just be plug-and-play with either a John Cena or he can run it back with Seth Rollins if they can't get the deal with Logan Paul done. But I think this may- this is Theory's to win. Yeah, well, I'm just going to throw out there that uh, there's only four matches announced so far. I'm sure there'll be more announced coming up. I, but I don't think this card's going to be a big one. I think it's going to be five, six matches. WWE's been doing a good job of slimming these down. Mm-hmm. Especially with two Elimination Chamber matches, they're going to eat up a lot of time. They've been pretty good on that three-hour time limit, too. Uh, so give them their credit. Let's go over to a big, big match. This match is a Women's Elimination Chamber match. And the winner of this match will receive a... WWE Raw Women's Championship match at WrestleMania 39, Ken M. This is big. This is a big one. Mm -hmm. Are you ready to find out who's in this match? Yeah, let's talk about this. We got Carmella. Okay. We got Natalia. Mm -hmm. We got Raquel Rodriguez. We got Nikki Cross. We've got Liv Morgan. And finally, we've got the person who made a great return at the Royal Rumble. We have Asuka. Got to take Asuka on this one. I think this would be a great match. Like I say, another great group involved in the cage match here. This one, though, like I say, I could see Carmella sneaking in there, but at the same time, I think this is Asuka with that big return. It makes more sense to bring her into the fold and get her a big high-profile match at Mania. So here's my – I have three people that are possibility to win this match. I'm going to go with you. I think Asuka is going to win this match. However, there's two other acceptable reasons and for two different reasons. The only other person that's kind of acceptable on the level of Asuka would be Liv Morgan. There is still that, that, that push behind her. She's doing some interesting things. There's rumors she may even be somebody joining the Judgment Day. Hmm. Uh, there's the, There's been that rumor. From, I don't know if that's going to happen. I, I don't think so. Yeah, I, think people I don't are, think that works. I think people are leaning too much into things of the dark elements in the back and the purple lighting around her i think she's just going back into that 
you know, almost Harley Quinn-esque character that she is all the time. Mm -hmm. But she has still got a lot behind her. I still don't think she should win over Asuka, but if she wins, that's still a worthy main event for, or well, Raw Women's Title Match for WrestleMania, I should say. The other reason, the other person, and this is the interesting one, would be Raquel Rodriguez. This is why. What is the other women's match at WrestleMania? Which is one of the main events? Oh, Charlotte and Rhea Ripley. Okay. What does Charlotte and Rhea, Rhea Ripley have in common? Well, they've wrestled before. Um, right. Former NXT champion. There it is. What does What does Raquel Rodriguez Ooh, have in common with those two? Did not think about this. Yeah, She's also a former NXT Women's Champion. Right. Bianca Belair did not win the NXT Women's Championship, but we have three others, so there might be something there. You know, Raquel Rodriguez, a bit, you know, she's a big woman. Mm-hmm. She's very tall, very dominant, very, you know, so she's going to be, for once, once in her title reign, Bianca would be the weaker of the two. Mm. It could create a threat and also go, hey, you know what I have in common with the other stars here? I got it done in NXT and you couldn't. Yeah. Even though you've gotten it done and you've main evented Mania, how the uh, mighty has fallen. So I'm going to take that belt off of you. If you want to go the aspect of Bianca Belair continuing to be champion after Mania, you could go with uh, with Liv Morgan or Raquel Rodriguez. If the change is coming at Mania, I think Asuka's got to win. I don't think you can have Asuka lose. Now, with me saying that, you're like, but Rich, how does she lose the Elimination Chamber? The Elimination Chamber doesn't really, you know, she could lose by numerous things that don't hurt the gimmick. Mm-hmm. But I still think she's winning. If you're asking me, I'm 90% sure. <laughs> okay, makes sense. I just like to give options. Yes. Uh, next up is a match that we got made on uh, Raw last week, by the way. Edge and Beth Phoenix. That's right. Do not adjust your radio. The, uh, the what is it, the, 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 the grizzled couple, what do they call themselves these days? The grit couple. Yeah, the grit couple. I hate that name, by the way. I said that before. <sighs> that's why I don't want to fucking remember yeah. it. However, they're going to get up against the Judgment Day, Finn Balor and Rhea Ripley. This is intriguing to me. I like it. We are getting, you know, the Edge payoff and Beth Phoenix payoff to the Judgment Day. Also, it gives Rhea something to do on her way to Mania. Mm-hmm. With that being said, I think that Finn's got to eat the pin. Oh, yeah. Well, he has to. <laughs> like, yeah, there's no way Rhea's going to take the loss going into the big title match. Finn is the expendable one here because I, I think they're going to have a match with him and Edge maybe in a cage, maybe something at Mania to give him a real send-off for their feud. They could do that, or this could be the blow-off for the feud and move Edge on to something different. Because, I mean, let's be honest. The, I don't think the Judgment Day feud has worked out the way that they wanted it no, to. No, I think it's fair. I think we're moving away. I mean, I put that solely on Dominic Mysterio. Ugh. Actually, I shouldn't say that. I put it mostly on Dominic Mysterio because he can't get over, but the other part is Rhea Ripley got so over mm-hmm. that I think that we have to you know switch things going up. And obviously, she's going after the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship. I think she's going to win at Mania. I'm going to say that right now. I mean, I know we're ahead from those predictions. You've got to wait down the line for those, get those. But I think that they're going to have Rhea win at Mania. So she's one and one against Charlotte at Mania. That sets up the future rubber match at Mania. Mm-hmm. Uh, just hint, hint, nod, dodge, you know. But I think that's what's going to happen. So that means she's going to a different show. And the draft doesn't happen right after Mania. So I think they're going to, you know, without Rhea, there is no judgment. Day, right. In my opinion. No, no, she's been the sole reason to watch that faction. Now let's talk about the match everybody's talking about. How about that? The WWE Undisputed Championship will be on the line. Your champion, the head of the table, the tribal chief, the big dog, Roman Reigns. With Paul Heyman in his corner. And only Paul Heyman in his corner, as he pointed out. 
He wants the Usos to stay their asses at home. And Solo Sokoa also so allegedly supposed to stay at home. I don't think he's going to. I also don't think the Usos. We'll talk about it in a second. Mm-hmm. Of course, he's going to go one-on-one with Montreal's hometown hero. And the man the wrestling world is buzzing about because, man, he has taken the best of every situation and become a megastar. And that is Sami Zayn. This is an interesting match, Ken M. I think they're going to be telling layers of story. I hate to tell the folks, though. The heartbreak is coming. Mm. Sami Zayn ain't winning. No. Roman Reigns will walk out of the Elimination Chamber. He will walk out of Sami's hometown of Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Still your undisputed world's champion to set up his match with Cody Rhodes at WrestleMania. However, that does not mean the Sami Zayn bloodline story ends. No, no, no. Don't you fret, folks. It does not end there, as I do believe that the person who will cost Sami Zayn the match is Jay Uso. Agreed. Who will then turn back to his family, the bloodline. Yeah, we saw him friendly, friendly. We saw all this stuff. He is going to show his allegiance to his tribal chief and to his family. He will turn on Sami Zayn, which will cost Sami Zayn the match. They will try to beat Sami Zayn down, which will bring out Kevin Owens. We will finally get the big moment, the big hug moment in Montreal. I hope it ends with the big hug moment. Sami Zayn and them beating off the, (laughs) I I know I'm a a child for that one, but uh, the bloodline sending them reeling and then give a good hug at the end of that show, setting up for the Usos versus Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens at WrestleMania. I fully agree with you. Jay's going to cost them one way or another. I'm hoping they don't do this though. And they make Jay special guest referee. That would be interesting. Like it would be interesting, but like, I don't, like, I, I want to see it, but I don't want to see it. Because I'm thinking, like, it's going to be kind of confusing if Jay just comes down to the ring and just super kicks Sammy. But at the same time, like, if you throw that in there, I don't know. Because they're playing it up very well. Like, SmackDown, they really continue that storyline exceptionally well, having that moment with Jay and Sammy. And, you know, Sammy going, I respect you. And, you know, really toying with Jay's emotions. And I love, like, Jay Uso deserves a supporting actor nominee for something. He is just absolutely killing it in this position. But I fully agree with you. Like, there's no way they're taking the belt off Sammy or uh, Roman to, for Sammy. Sammy's having a great run, but the tag team titles are going to mean that much more because it's him and Kevin. They've always wanted to do it at Mania. They're now going to get the opportunity. It, it's it's a better story. Right, right, right. So February 18th this Saturday, we'll find out as this is the last PLE before the final stop, if you will, PLE style mm-hmm. on the road to WrestleMania. After this, we just have Raw and SmackDowns. About a month and a half worth of them before WrestleMania. So this is going to set up what we need to set up for PLE. We'll find out who's uh, facing the WWE women, Raw Women's Champion at Mania. We'll also find out who the United States Champion going into Mania season will continue to be or will change to and so much more. And we're going to get a more direction for this Bloodline Sami Zayn storyline as well as then we'll, we'll road the, you know, while the other bit of the Bloodline has to deal with Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, then we get Roman Reigns having to focus on the man who won the Royal Rumble and is trying to hashtag finish the story mm. at WrestleMania and take those titles off of him. And like I said, if you didn't believe that this was hot money maker main event material, you obviously didn't see that Cody Rose promo. Yes. And if you did, you know what I'm talking about. If you want to hear more about that, though. Because obviously we're pressed for time here. 6.07 TWS this week. It'll be available everywhere. We'll say Tuesday morning. It's usually late night, Monday night. But Tuesday morning is the best time to see it. And uh, trust me, you're not going to want to miss that. We're covering uh, the Elimination Chamber. Well, we'll kind of softly cover it because we're going to tell people to come here to see the full coverage. 
But we also have to tie in some Cody Rhodes and some other things. Plus, I got some, we got some AEW stuff to talk about over there. We got some New Japan stuff to talk about. And we got that indie roundup, including Game Changer Wrestling. Big and, weekend. And if you're looking for Uncle Dax's opinion, Brett Lauderdale, for some reason, is in that promoter thing. That's the one thing that's not getting a headline anywhere that, according to Uncle Dax, top three promoters, it looks like because of the way he named them. Mm-hmm. Triple H, Tony Khan, Brett Lauderdale. And we definitely believe believe that because we love Brett Lauderdale. Absolutely. So, so with that being said, that will finish up our talk about WWE Elimination Chamber. Ken. Yes, and we're going to just wrap that up. Keep it very short and sweet for everything and anything that is the ODPH. You can find it at odphpodcast.com. Rich, thank you for swinging through as always. And, you know, I always love to be here. Yes, and you want to give a final plug for where we can find you if you want to talk to well, you? Well, absolutely. We'll keep it short and sweet as well. Uh, for all information about the 3FN podcast, including links, the Patreon link, and so much more, visit 3FNpodcast.com. Also, visit odphpodcast.com. Cheap plug again for them because the link is right there. Come on over. I, I believe you can also listen to the show on uh, odphpodcast.com. If you don't even want to come to my website, I know that's bad moves for me business-wise, but I don't really give a fuck about the business. I care more about people listening and having a good time. And of course, make sure you listen to 607 TWS. If uh, you want, you know, we give that real talk and we do a little more deeper dive because obviously when there's a show dedicated to just pro wrestling, uh, you're going to get a little more pro wrestling talk. So if you're missing out some pro wrestling talk, you like what you hear from Ken M every week on the ODPH. And I know I do. Uh, we haven't had Padawan J on 607 TWS, but we'll rectify that in WrestleMania season or mm-hmm. something oh, yeah. where he can dive in because he, he really does just watch mostly WWE. And that's fine. Once again, we're we're over at 607 TWS we believe watching you know what you love we watch a little bit of everything because we're a little psycho however you know watch what you love love what you love and we're not judging anybody for what they love and like and you know if we don't agree with you we're not going to be like oh you're an asshole because we don't agree with you yeah that's not what you're going to get over at 607 TWS you're just going to get us calling it right down the middle and the best uh wrestling commentary if you will on the business and what's going on from a fan slash insider uh, opinion. So there you go. There's my biggest plug is for 607 TWS because I know the ODPH society likes to talk about that pro wrestling. Yes. And we like to talk about it over there as well. Yes. So that said, this has been another edition of the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parley Hour. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you next time. Yeah.